in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Mega sweepstakes marketing. Dad, this is a total come on. It's it's one of the oldest gimmicks in the book. I didn't even know they still did it anymore. Well, I can't say it if it's not true. They're just trying to sell you magazines. This says I won. So mail it in. I'll help you. I'm not trusting the mail with a million dollars. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to another edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. Today, we'll be discussing Nebraska 2013, which is a drama feature film that's currently streaming on Canopy and Pluto TV. And it's true, you may have already won a million dollars. And I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely talking behind my back, so let's join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Hello. Howdy, howdy. Hi. With us today, she's simultaneously credible and incredible, the anomaly, Kat Ramirez. Hey, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. Grateful to have you. And the provocative one and current Who Dundee Award winner and reigning champion, Mr. Devin Schwartz. Uh, hello, the, uh, the game. Oh, it's on, Jerry. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite one. And my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. Hey, everyone, it's me, James. Uh, what's the worst thing you guys have done at a gravestone to spite the undead, the, the someone in the afterlife? Nowhere in the arena of what she did, but that was one of my <laughs> yeah. favorite scenes. <laughs> Anyone else want to comment? Mm. Get it off your chest. <laughs> uh, and uh, the last but not least, the irrepressible gentleman Jim Scott. Hi, Jim. Hello, and welcome, gentle listeners and friends. Welcome indeed. I'm very excited to discuss this movie. I just need that rundown by. As soon as possible. Okay. Just get it right. Yeah. Gotcha. Of course. I'm going to dive in to the rundown. I'll be exhausted because it's like a triathlon. Did you want to close this? And our boss, Charles Minor, just a minute, a rundown and... Looks like Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Kat. So let's see what you've got for us on Nebraska. Yeah, so uh, Nebraska is a 2013 black and white film um, about an aging booze-addled father who makes the trip from Montana to Nebraska with his estranged son in order to claim a million-dollar mega sweepstakes marketing prize. Um, this film is labeled as a drama, adventure, and comedy, according to IMDb. It was directed by Alexander 
Alexander Payne and written by Bob Nelson, starring Will Forte and Bruce Dern. Um, it was nominated for six Oscars. And some of the interesting trivia I found for this movie was that Brian Cranston was actually auditioned for the role of David. But the director, Alexander Payne, didn't feel that he was right for the part. And Paul Rudd and Casey Affleck were also considered um, for the parts. Um, as well as this is the fourth film that is set in Alexander's Payne's, the director's home state in Nebraska after he did Citizen Ruth, Election, and About Schmidt. Um, and then Bruce Dern also talked about how him and Will Forte were stuck in the car for hours while filming um, the driving scenes because the cameras were mounted in both doors. And since they were unable to take bathroom breaks between their takes, uh, Den remarked that he that they found out what bottles are for. Oh, oh dear wow. God. That's like being trapped in like a, the you know, like a superhero outfit where they say they just like are kind of stuck in there all day, except you have to share it with somebody else. Yeah. Or, you know, being in a, uh, a warehouse, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, that reality. Too much reality. Ah, retreat. <laughs> but I get the things I order in two days. Two days. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, consumers play a role too. Damn it. <laughs> I don't want my comeuppance and my responsibility. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, oh, um, I think Brian Cranston could have done a good job playing that role, but I'm kind of thinking that too. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it'd be a very, very different film with him. I actually, I do actually think Paul Rudd would have done great in this. I love Will Forte, but I, I also think Paul Rudd can really pull out a yeah. Dramatic but they, performance they went with well. MacGruber. <laughs> Isn't I that him? You were yeah. talking about yeah, the modern modern MacGruber. Oh, I sorry. I thought they were talking about the older man, not the. The young guy. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Paul I think they mean for the younger guy. Yeah, yeah that's, I guess Brian Cranston is fairly old. I don't think he's old enough to play that role, though. It's true. So what I heard was that the director, I, I guess there was another writer, so I was mistaken about that fact. I thought he wrote it, too. Um, but the director wanted to do this for a long time, and, like, the screenplay had been around, and he actually had Bruce Stern in mind, or maybe the writer wrote him with him in mind or something. But you said you guys said that uh, some other people uh, auditioned for it too, right? So anyway, I know at some point the director had Bruce Dern in mind, and um, this was like about ten years or so before it was made. So they literally waited until he aged into the role. Oh wow! Jeez, well, probably worth checking out. But I think the I think I remember that from an actual interview with the director. So that that's my source. But memory is a fallible thing, so check into it if you're if you're unsure and want to fact check me. And email me at ben at redhenmedia.com and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I did read something about the fact that the director didn't couldn't do this film until he got kind of a name, like a until he was really put out there, and that was after he did Citizen Ruth. Maybe it was election. No, yeah, that was 1996. Citizen Ruth, I think, is when he got the um, more popular and well-known that he was able to kind of fund this film. I haven't seen Citizen Ruth, but that was that a big movie? I feel like I recognize the name. I know Election, Wait, I that was a big one. 
Okay, maybe it was election. Yeah, because one was 96, the other one's 99. Um, I actually haven't seen those films either, so oh, I, okay. I'm really unaware. Yeah. I've seen election like once, but the one I really loved was Sideways. Uh, that that was the one he was known for, and it came out in like 2005 or something like that. Um, has anyone seen that one? Sideways? Yeah, I saw that one. Oh, of course you have. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was with uh, I love, Paul, uh, Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he's oh man, good. he's so great. I know, I love him in anything. Um, that I was surprised to hear about the Oscar noms, so they didn't catch any wins, though, huh? No, just six nominations. Okay, well, I'm not going to ring that up, but it's nice to be nominated for something. Um, but before we get too far, I'll find my sound clip here. We have reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. So, um, we'll do, we'll start with guesses. We'll continue with Devin guessing first. Devin, who done it? Eventually you guys will just get smart and start copying what I, what I guess, and then you'll, you will just all be tied eventually. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with Ben on this film. I think it is, uh, again, it, for, actually for very similar reasons that I faked about 12 Angry Men, um, I find very similar in this film. It's it's kind of slow. This one is a little more quiet than 12 Angry Men, um, which I also think kind of is indicative of a Ben film. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It feel, feels Benny. I feel I think I was between Ben and Pepe, but I think for this challenge, this theme, Pepe would have given us a more classic film. And I think Ben would have gone for a more contemporary film. So. Interesting. Interesting. And how dare you, sir? Um, and okay, so Kat, who done it? Like, this is a Pepe film. Uh, I think it has a lot of, uh, I guess, not a lot of similarities with The Lighthouse, but I can see it. Just there's a slow build and everything. Um, this it's great film, monologues, too. I feel like Pepe always chooses, like, objectively good films like just like you can't like argue that it's not it's always like very high quality films so i'm just gonna give this to pepe for sure okay and jim who do you think done it i i was torn between the two of you guys that were already listed so uh for you benny from the bronx um i think <laughs> that <laughs> i i think that it has a, a great camera shots. Um, it is a slow roll, like what, what has just been discussed. And the humor is in this situation. It reminded me of watching like one of the mockumentaries, like Best in Show. Like where oh, the, humor is in the, si the humor is in the situations themselves and the characters. You know, it's, it's not like they're trying to force it or they have this joke that they're about to deliver, you know, it's in the, in, no, it just kind of rolls themselves. out there. Yeah. There is that similar yeah. thing. Yeah. And so that screams Ben, um, as far as you Pepe, it, it, some of these characterizations, when you take a step back and you think about them seem, uh, kind of cerebral, like, you know, the realization of what the director is trying to do and, you know, is this movie, talking about more than what is you know plainly seen before you and i feel like it does which is definitely a pepe film you know 
so it's hard but i have to pick one right um yeah and uh devin kind of outed me because that was a strategy that i was going to employ um for this time around is just copy what devin says except for one critical juncture where devin's wrong and i can guess the right one but <laughs> it's the gamble i love yeah, that's the i love gamble. your thought process here yeah and i like to be transparent i'm glad so. you're taking it serious yeah um so uh cross between you ben and you pepe man this is really hard um but i do agree with devin's reasoning that you probably pick a classic black and white movie kind of like 12 angry men from you know last week so i'm gonna uh say you ben okay and i'm gonna guess pepe because this is clearly a pepe film i mean it's been said um it reminded me of the lighthouse and the long like i said i noticed the long monologues and stuff that built up um and i like jim i like really liked your point about it uh the 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 meth that was like authentic it felt authentic the way they would roll yes. out and the humor kind of arose naturally so i thought that was pretty neat and i think that's something that pepe would appreciate okay so uh it's time well, to review i gotta i gotta guess oh you didn't <laughs> guess I skipped you again. Why do I always skip Pepe? Always. It's always you. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Freudian. Are you are you like Are you like the boy who punches me on the schoolyard to let me know you like me? Probably. <laughs> me well, you are my good friend, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who uh, done well, it, Pepe? You get last you get the last uh, word and final word. You know, I actually thought this was either Ben or Cat. Um, I can see, I see some similarities between this movie and the other movies that Cat has picked. But I think at the end of the day, um, because and I think it's because it has, I think it because I think it's because it has, or it's about sort of what's going on in like the middle of the country right now. Um, uh, I think this is, might be a Ben movie because it's more, I think it's more political than it might seem at first blush. Um, and so, uh, if we were doing tiered, tiered voting, I would go Ben cat, but I guess if we're just choosing one here, I have to choose Ben. Ranked choice. The, yeah. The right. proper way. Yeah. yeah. But exactly. Cat, man, cat, if this was your movie, I had you, I had you pegged. <laughs> you want credit, huh? You didn't yeah, go with it, though. <laughs> I know, I know. I like that I'm finding out what my movies are <laughs> from you guys, or what you think they are, anyway. We're really that's, defining that's each other's taste. Yeah, I know. It's like I get to find out something about myself, too. So whether some or not I did it. Some of it's eerily accurate, though. Some of this defining for others. No, it's it's illuminating. It's it's mm -hmm. it, Yeah, it's actually uh, proven helpful. Uh, but so we're going to do it a little different this time and try to game gamify this a little bit more. So whoever has the most votes, I'll ask them if they'd done it first and then, uh, we'll find out and kind of move down the line there. So I believe I had the most votes for this one. So mm -hmm. will the perpetrator yeah. please stand up if it's you, me. <laughs> and <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. This was a Ben film. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> Do you still you have a perfect score? Yeah, yet. Devin still has a perfect score. Okay. You ain't Ten fair films yet. in a row. Nice, nice. How how are really? we? How's you've, the breakdown going? Every one, right? 
all of them except for the ones that I that were my own, and then yeah, obviously the last count. ones which we don't guess. Right, right, so I guess yeah. technically, so that in would other be words, you've guessed everyone right. right. So yes, is yeah. what you mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was trying to be humble, but yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, Every time you've had to guess, it's been correct. Devin, you should switch your majors to psychology, man. I'm telling you, bro. You got it. Something man. to consider. Or just like good at good at Fiction. rolling a four-sided die. No, like, you should become a, you should become like a palm reader or whatever, right? Oh yeah, there you go. There you yeah, go. Was, Cold read people. Yeah. 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 Just talk about so you've had someone in your family died and their name starts with a letter. Hmm. Right? Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, is it A? Is it a vowel? No? Okay. <laughs> so now that we know who done it, it's time to ask why done it. How did I ever come up with Nebraska? Well, the truth of the matter is that black and white uh, was challenging to find movies that I liked. And so I went through a huge list of them. Uh, and I am actually really glad that someone chose 12 Angry Men because that was on my radar, as uh, Britney Spears said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how she says it in her song. Uh, anyway, um, good luck, Britney. We're, we're rooting for you. Um, <laughs> now, now knowing this is you, I'm surprised you didn't choose uh, 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 Kurosawa. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I don't know if I looked into that or not, um, but there is a specific Kurosawa film I would consider, and I hope there's one on your list too, Pepe. I know you've watched many, uh, oh, yeah, many, many definitely. of those, so, if not all of them. Um, no, yeah, not, not all of them. Not yet. yet. The, the trouble was, it wasn't coming up with the movies themselves, it was finding where they were streaming and readily accessible. Yep. And, yep, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and so when I did hit on this one, though, I was like, oh, it has to be Nebraska. Everyone must see this. So let me ask you guys, let me flip it on you. Who has seen this before and who was a first time viewing? Because I keep forgetting to ask that. I don't want to make a whole segment for it. So let's just uh, kick it off with that. Kat, had you seen this one before? I have, yeah. I saw it um, not too long after it came out. Um, so yeah, it must have been yeah, in 2013. So um, I, I definitely, I think I had similar kind of sentiments the first time from the first time when I watched it to now. So hasn't it didn't change too much, but I think there's a lot more I'm able to think deeper about with this film the second time around. And that might've just been because I've, I went through college by that time and I'm a lot more educated. So yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely that. Funny how that higher education works. Yeah. Get a number on me too. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns, you, turns you into a liberal, right? <laughs> well it yeah teaches oh, you oh, yeah. If, if you're going no, you to a college you, yeah exactly <laughs> hopefully they're teaching you how to think not what to think wearing a che Guevara uh, shirt that's what they give you those now instead of a diploma they just give you a che Guevara t-shirt wouldn't it be the hat or oh i guess yeah, the, the, the hat is picture on the t-shirt yeah. yeah 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 it's like a cliche college kid uh poster to hang in your dorm right yeah, Along with the Bob Marley the poster. And... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All that jazz. So, Devin, have it you seen a... this one before? Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead, Devin. I, I had not seen him before. No, this is my first viewing. Oh, interesting. I'm very curious. I'm always curious what you think because it's, it's just all, um, many times contrary to what I think you'll think. <laughs> so that's why I have to guess you every time. Otherwise, I'll never get it right when it's your film. 
Uh, and Pepe, had you seen this before? You know, I don't remember. <laughs> I, mm. I, I haven't had an inkling that I may have seen this before or had just been interested in seeing it when it had come out. But I don't remember. I don't remember if I'd seen this before. Well, it made quite an impression on you if it did, or if you had. Well, I mean, clearly, it came out a long time, long time ago. God, I know that's it, the it weird. Was thing. Ten years ago. Ugh, I know. It, it doesn't seem like it came out all that long ago to me. But... No, it sure doesn't. It seems particularly apropos. Actually, it seems particularly apropos. Yeah, maybe it was just a little ahead of its time. I wonder what was who was president in 2013. Was that? Uh, that was still Obama. That was Obama. 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 But it, but that would have been that would have been his first term, though, right? Second. Speaking of a second. Eight oh, really? oh, eight. 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 Yeah. oh, okay. Huh. So I wonder long ago. Impetus, I wonder if there was some political impetus because it's sure if this came out this year or recently, I think there would have been some serious. I'm like, curious to hear political. more of your thoughts on that to be honest. Uh, and, and that goes for all of you because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, this is a, a rich, uh, vein, I think to mine. So, but, uh, had you seen this yet, Jim? No. And in fact, this is a draw. This is a genre that I probably would never have seen it. Um, if it wasn't picked out for me. So good job for that. You know, uh, part of the reason why, you know, besides talking with you lovely people, mm -hmm. you know, part, part of the reason why, you know, I, I enjoy this podcast is being exposed to, to, you know, movies that I wouldn't have picked on my own. And I feel like so far the experience, you know, anytime it happens, this type of thing happens. I've been exposed to books before that I never would have read on my own and thoroughly enjoyed them. You know, I feel like I grow more than staying in my own garden, so to speak. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. And even the uh, one, one more thing has led to some good stuff too. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that worked for you. And I'm hoping that's uh, the case in most cases for everyone else. So, um, yeah, clearly when I first watched this, I liked it enough to choose it for this. Um, and I liked it upon rewatching it again. Um, anyone have strong feelings one way or another? I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to have any surprise. Let me start there. Did anyone really not like this movie or, or was it even lukewarm? Um, I, I'll go ahead, Devin. I oh, Devin is keying up. Say, I love it. <laughs> oh, I, man. Say, I suspect, F I suspect. I liked this movie less than than anyone else here. I did not dislike it necessarily. I just think I was pr I'm probably more lukewarm than you guys knowing knowing, you know, your guys's taste in films as I obviously do. Mm -hmm. Um but it did actually remind me of a film I really enjoy called uh, well not called, everyone knows it, Little Miss Sunshine. It reminds me a lot of Little Miss Sunshine. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, another good road film. film. Yeah, especially also like the traditional comedic actor in a very non-comedic role or not non-comedic. I mean, Will Forte's character is not totally non-comedic but for the most part it's you know fairly dramatic no and, but he was uh, not playing a character like mcgruber where he's like in the exactly. 11 he was over very the top. yeah he's usually like, he's usually very over the top very subtle well. um yeah yeah and then also like traveling with an older relative like i i kind of throughout the movie was kind of expecting him to die like the the spoiler alert the old man mm. dies in little miss sunshine um but uh except little miss sunshine obviously more colorful both both literally and and in terms of the you know comedy and the 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 farce mm -hmm. um but 
uh yeah i i've enjoyed it a fair amount but i think that i I had some issues with which i'll i'll get to as it comes up but okay yeah keep those handy um yeah uh, go ahead jump in I had a lukewarm response and I feel like it's this because this has happened to me plenty of times mm-hmm. where I've watched a movie, did not like it. And I'm not saying I didn't like, I, I did like this one. It was just lukewarm. And, and the first time I watch it, I'm like, eh, yeah, it's whatever. And then I watch it sometime in the future and I'm like, oh my God, there was a lot more than what I, and, and you know, it really depends on what mood you're in. Uh, what you're going through and i was a little tired when i viewed this film uh definitely low energy and and this movie being kind of low energy too i don't think it was the right time for me to view it unfortunately but right, with well, that being yeah we so, can stop the I, show and like you can rewatch it and then we'll pick it <laughs> <Yeah>. up <laughs> that's an interesting take on it though very thoughtful as always thanks jim no continue yeah. though you had something else to add um, but not to say that there weren't moments, and I, I think that there is very much relatability, even though this there was a lot of what I would call good old boys, and I don't mean to like stereotype or, you know, but this is in the Midwest. I've seen these people, you know, and some yeah. of these people are in my family, um, you, you know, uh, so that those parts are interesting, and they felt so believable mm-hmm. you know the little mannerisms it's almost like going back to because they talk about this in film because they want to involve a lot more car explosions or this extreme drama they cut a lot of characterizing moments so for instance the way someone smokes a cigarette or walking from the car to the front of the house and that and that type of like a pulp fiction type of walk you know it's very characteristic modern cinema has dropped a lot of those conventions for more dramatic i guess you could say type of things happening so getting these slower kind of you know characterizations of people that seem so believable is definitely um a a touch that i noticed yeah, uh, they actually, I had heard that also that they had a casting director or at least someone who was like a casting scout go with a location scout ahead of the production to hire locals for the roles. Oh, um, wow. At least some yeah. of the backup roles to mix it up and, you know, increase verisimilitude. So that doesn't surprise me because one of my complaints with the film is that a lot of the acting was distractingly bad, in my opinion, at least the, the not the main cast characters, but the no, a lot of the side characters, mm-hmm. the, like elderly people who kept approaching them, um, mm-hmm. particularly the the like lottery woman near the end of the film, the one they go and talk to, like they all delivered their lines really stilted. It felt very much like they just walked up to someone on the street, held up a card and said, Hey, can you read this real quick while I point a camera at you? Uh, it's like, it felt very artificial. Some of um, them did. But you know, what I noticed was that the older ones that worked a little better than some of the younger ones, like his girlfriend, I felt like she was like struggling a bit. Uh, and yeah, that was a good point with the, the lottery lady. Um, although I thought I have a line of hers, um, that uh here let me just play it that i thought was pretty good the line leading up to this and and the other stuff yeah i agree
Does this happen a lot? Yeah, every once in a while. Usually older people like your father. Does he have Alzheimer's? He just believes stuff that people tell him. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Which uh, also gets to the heart of <laughs> a, a lot of the problem uh, that that character has and maybe um, in a greater sense that maybe people are too <laughs> readily, uh, too ready to believe what, what feels good or whatever. We're kind of struggling with that. We we're talking about how this movie uh, also kind of applied to some of the situations we're in today, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I think that uh, that for me, some of it was kind of like made sense in a strange way. I don't. It's like almost like they, you know, this is Nebraska. A lot of these people are like living these really small communities and like it almost makes sense that they're just kind of like awkward with these outsiders. Like you could almost take it that way that like they sort of speak a little weirdly to these people who haven't they haven't seen in, you know, uh, 20, 30 years, whatever. Um, but uh, and and like I think part of what threw me off about the woman at the end was the way she kind of said like oh that's too bad like sounding like she just absolutely does not give a shit like it sounded like the most like customer service voice thing but then again you could that that could have been totally on purpose that that is she's meant to be insincere because she's just some random woman working in a building scamming people yeah I wonder how <laughs> I wonder about that because it's like well she was the, it was a speaking role so that's a different thing than like you know a day player who just comes on to be part of a crowd or, or, you know, in the background. Um, but there was a lot of, a lot of characters in this and they all get like one or two lines, right. They all get their little thing. Um, yeah. a lot of them were very clever and I came across as, as, um, genuine, um, to me, but, uh, Oh, sorry. Apparently I forgot God, to put my so phone on. Yeah, I know. Forgot. Going off that, though, I do think that the writing did a great job of of characterizing those those characters. Like you said, there's so many and each of them, you know, have very few lines, but you get a very strong sense of like who they are in this town and like what kind of role they fill, um, even in the, the small little interactions we get. I think that maybe what I admired most about it was the ability to just kind of hint at the broader life that these people had outside of this inter small interaction that they tended to have in the movie. Yeah. And I, and I thought that part was really interesting. Um, going back to when she said, Oh, that's too bad. And you know, the fact that she gets that, what happens a couple of times a month or it's happened a couple of times or something. I, I remember when those kind of sweepstakes were really popular you know, in the 80s and 90s and even before that publishers clearinghouse, so that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, Ed McMahon. And yeah, and I think it follows a particular vein um, as well with what late night television started to do with infomercials. You know, if you put this skin cream on, it will do all of these amazing things. You know, it'll make you more fertile. It'll do that. And they rely on reaching as many people as they can because they know a certain percentage unfortunately either are gullible or want to believe that they're the special picked out person yep. or they want they want to believe that that product will do all the amazing things you know that the snake oil salesman on tv says that it will do 
and that's that's kind of sad you know taking advantage of the vulnerable people in our society in order to make a buck you know yeah you know i'm gonna leave that phone sound in because uh it looks like someone is spamming me with something like that right now Um, so it looks like it's evolved Yes. Oh, I get a lot still bunch of here, text. just in a different form. Yeah. Yeah. Text I, I get a bunch of texts and... now. Uh, less phone calls, although I still get robo calls. I get like messages, get you know, like it rings yeah. through and then be like, uh, okay. Yeah. Definitely That'll always this... be around. I think this this film, uh, at least one one aspect of it is uh, t- really talks about the vulnerability that that the elders have in our country um, specifically. And I I just couldn't help but think about my own grandparents, especially when they use social media or the internet, um, that opens up a lot of opportunities for them to kind of be gullible with information and just, yeah, like marketing schemes and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. uh, And it's kind of, I don't know, because I mean, I consider a lot of, people like educated well-informed people but i think especially when it comes to the internet um when it comes to inform- misinformation that the older generation tends to not have the media literacy that the younger generation has and being able to detect oh that's definitely a scam you know like we can see it immediately whereas the older generation they're like oh you know they're promising this and that like why wouldn't i believe yes that? No, I think you hit on the the political aspect of this that I was flailing around trying to to grasp onto a few minutes ago. Um, that this is this media literacy thing is really really hurting us as far as like even like let's talk contemporary and and topical like getting people vaccinated right like that that kind of plays into it you know they're they're more willing to trust sources that are just ridiculous that, you know, like many younger people would look at and be like, oh, this is clearly, you know, not a true source or whatever. But, you know, it tends to, it's working for enough people. I don't know. Well, I, I think it's a sign of the times going on with what you're, you're saying, Kat, you know, the lack of media literacy is just growing in up in a time where, you know, um, the, I don't want to say it was like nostalgic or anything, but like where handshake agreements were more common, where you would take people at their word, you you know, you know, and in being in a small community where you see everybody each and every day or most people each and every day, those kind of things work. And our culture, our society, excuse me, is so rapidly evolving with media that we've unfortunately or some of that we've outstripped that where you have to critical think and you have to consider the source that people are lying to you for all kinds of reasons or at least not telling you everything you you know yeah yeah we've had to get so quick with making that judgment too like because mm-hmm. if you just really like take a deep dive into every little thing you see you're that's all you're going to be doing with yeah, your time I, that's just, exactly. just that much so you have to like at least get quicker but th- therein lies a hole to deceive you as well right yeah it depends so you have to rate it by importance i guess this is a helpful thing but that's part of the media literacy right it's like critical thinking and you know being able to uh really quickly 
process what's important enough to look up or not, right? Mm-hmm. Like and a vaccine. I think, <laughs> I think with media literacy too, there just comes as a byproduct, and definitely if there's different opinions, I, I like to hear them. But it it comes with a certain uh, feeling of jadedness. Like if you've been lied to enough times or you've looked something up and seen that it's patently false, you get a little jaded, you get a little bitter. And I think some theorists have talked about this thing called post-truth where, yes. you know, the worst place we can be in is where you don't believe anything. You know, that can really damage a society. And I wonder at that, you know, how much of that that they theorized is true, you know? And people tend to believe that, and I've seen this in action where they believe that it's okay to choose your own facts and call something oh. a fact when it's clearly not. Yeah. That's okay. Like, that's your truth, but my truth. There is sure. some objectivity to truth. I know that there's not never full objective truth, you know, if we're speaking philosophically, um, at least that's where, where I land. But I mean, if you jump off of a rooftop, you're, you're in for a bad time, you know, once you hit the pavement below. Yeah. There are things like that that you can point to. And, um, you know, people take it so far as to just deny, like, things that are clearly factual. And to yes. run with whatever feels good, right? Or feels right to them. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I have okay. a question for you guys. Uh, oh, did someone have something else to add? Go ahead. You can go, Ben. Okay, I just want to take it in kind of a more fun direction for a second. Um, <laughs> because fuck reality right now. Um, what, <laughs> if you guys hit the Powerball, do you celebrate and go public or keep it to yourself, Kat? Um, no, I'd keep it to myself until I, I like I would tell them after the fact, after what I like, what I decide to spend the money on, then I'd be like, hey, this happened to me. This is what I chose to spend it on. I think I would do it after the fact. Maybe, maybe my the closest people to me, I would tell. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, after it's sorted out, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Little nuance there. Yeah, that's that'll happen. Um, okay, Devin, what do you would you okay. share it with us right away? No, absolutely keep it a secret. I wouldn't tell. I wouldn't even tell my mom. I'd move to Japan and uh, <laughs> you would never, never hear from me again. Move Devin's to Japan. Just, so if you're gone, I'll assume you won the Powerball. And, yeah, if you ever look over and I'm, and I'm not there. Or the just, Venom you know, Mafia got you. <laughs> okay. Why Japan? Why Japan? You're already I, I, planning on going to Japan, aren't you? Yeah. You? you don't know you don't know anything about me pepe come oh on how goodness. long have we been friends for well look Devin, it's not my fault that you don't open up to me <laughs> we need to have a sidebar here gentlemen let's <laughs> have a very special episode yeah Jeez. <laughs> yes i have heard you mention some japan in some kind of context and i can't remember what it was you wanted to do there study or teach or something i want to yeah teach english teach, I yeah learn teach english Sounds oh, like, I've, I've had some friends that have done that through the uh, shoot. I don't uh -huh. remember what it's called now. Well, how did they like it? The TEFL, uh, teaching English as a foreign language kind of program. Yeah, some kind of program. Uh, well, I don't know. It's It's been a mixed bag for them, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I also would love to see Japan. Um, 
Oh, I mean, I'd love to go there too, but that but was I don't on the tip I... of Devitt's tongue. I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> I, mean, I might go yeah. to Japan too, but it wouldn't necessarily be thing number one. Uh, that's true. It's right up there for me too, but um, but yeah, right, exactly. You got. It sounds like you're pretty set on that. So good luck with that. If you do disappear, we'll know where you went. So Pepe, I want to borrow some money. Did you win the Powerball? I I'd probably keep it to myself too. Although I I think with something like that, it would become obvious pretty quickly. You know, <laughs> when you're like are... all of a sudden wearing a bunch of gold chains, or <laughs> yeah, what would happen? Yeah. Would you get a truck and an air compressor? What would you do? Yeah. No, no, I don't mean for me specifically. I just mean generally speaking. Well, like it would become obvious that like, oh, why why does James never work? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, right. And can still afford to feed himself and have a house. James, independently wealthy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Actually, that would be a dream come true because there's really only two ways to be a philosopher. And one of them is to be independently wealthy. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it would be a dream come true. Sure, Jim, share the wealth. Um, I I most definitely would. I mean, hitting the Powerball, that kind of wealth, you could afford. Well, I would uh, allow my friends uh-huh. to live com- comfortably for the rest of their life, um, and uh, I would realize my dreams of traveling, and I would have my own. Um, how do you pronounce it? Harem. Harem. Okay. Are you listening, universe? I would totally do that. (laughs) Okay. So outside of myself winning, I now uh, will uh, throw good thoughts out there for Jim to win then. (laughs) You got your fingers crossed to be part of his harem? Uh, Sure. Yeah. I'll line up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on if it's the the Powerball. Sure. That's uh, what is that worth? Like a half a billion dollars or something? It's a lot of money. A lot of money. It's amigo money. So we'll find that we'll find that out someday. Come on, universe, we're rooting for Jim. Uh, here's yeah. here's why you may not want to. I have a clip for you. And if Woody hit it rich, and I don't see any of it, that would be wrong. And I will make it right. Are you threatening my family? Threatening? No, that would be wrong. Hey, I'm the victim here. It's just food for thought. Now, if you'll excuse me, I gotta take a leak real bad. You know beer, you just rent the stuff. I do like the writing in this and the acting. Mm-hmm. Stacy Keach was uh, Ed Pegram. Um, and you probably know him from Cheech and Chong Up in Smoke. No. Uh, he, uh, you may remember him from, he was in that, uh, you probably, you may know him as the neo-Nazi leader Cameron in American history. X, yes. Though, and yes. Ken Titus, Titus's dad from the TV show Titus, which was big back in 2000 or whatever. So some of us older people might remember that in him in that. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great in this as, uh, as kind of the villainous old friend. Uh, yep. what did you guys think? of the performances of the main we talked kind of about the uh people they hired on the spot or whatever but uh, what about the main cast well i mean this is bruce dern's show right yeah what'd you think this is this is, this is his movie i mean mm-hmm. he does well i i was i was sort of hemming and hawing with myself over this because 
either his acting job was so good that I was asking myself whether he really was acting or not, or he mm. wasn't really acting and therefore wasn't doing a very good job acting. Oh, he was acting. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I have no idea what, how Bruce Dern walks normally, you know, but like, if this was a thing that he, if this was an affectation, then it's It's great. It's incredible. Yeah, from what yeah. I know about him, this is a this is a character that he put together. So, anyone else have strong feelings uh, here or there for uh, the main cast? Yeah, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Devin. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I, I liked uh, the the core cast. I think was was really good. I particularly I like June Squibb a lot. The mom, Me um, too. Yeah, her was, character, she was great. Uh, the only choice I thought was just odd, and it's not like he was really that important, but Bob Odenkirk felt like a weird choice i don't know oh. like something about him just felt out of place uh, he wasn't really in the film that much so it wasn't a big deal fresh but, off his breaking um, bad fame might i add yeah I, I honestly feel like every time i see bob odenkirk or something i'm like i don't feel like you belong here i don't know why i feel like he just doesn't get cast in the right roles i feel like he's a good actor he's just not he never feels like he's playing the right role he didn't bother me weird. but it was it does pull you out a little because he was also like really really famous by this point so it was like oh they got bob odenkirk yeah. it was one of those well, you know I think I think he's one of those guys that for some reason like is a good actor but can't carry a movie. He's always going to be in a supporting role. Mm, yeah. Mm. Maybe that's what it he is. He doesn't have that, a yeah, lot of range away. either, but what he does is is great if it's used right. Yeah, I mean he always does it seems to me he always does a pretty good job in his supporting roles, but yeah. I can't ever see him being well, a, What about well, his show? You, yeah, I was just going to ask that cuz he's the main of that show Better Call Saul. Yeah, I think I watched the first season or the first two seasons of it and kind of stopped. I don't think mm. he did a bad job. I, I, I guess I would say in a movie, I couldn't see him as a leading man. Um, but also, also Better Call Saul is a spinoff show, which like kind of the whole gimmick of spinoff shows is like it's it's your favorite supporting actor. And now he has his own show. But like they always kind of still feel like supporting actors because that's like the whole thing is like this is a supporting actor. And mm. you still think of him as that guy from Better Breaking Bad. You know? Yeah, but they had a lot of strong characters that kind of help carry the weight come to think of it on on better call Saul. yeah that's true that's didn't true. he just come out with a movie like this year i haven't seen it yet but like yeah, it was yeah. getting yes. lauded did any of you see that no no it, i think it's uh, still like I, and I could be wrong pay you still got to pay for it uh like oh, on okay. amazon prime on i know paywall. which one you're talking about it shows i'm getting punched or something some like action -y type of thing yeah, yeah. nobody nobody yeah looked intriguing well we'll have to revisit whether or not he carried that later when some of us actually watch it but i, I definitely will watch it at some point but uh yeah i i had kind of had reservations about that to be honest um if i'm thinking back and being honest about it let's yeah. see if he can do it kind of question arose um bruce stern for me too um even sleeping with his mouth open i mean he really looked asleep you know <laughs> <laughs> no he nailed he it he plays such a good old man he's yeah. so, so great manny. yeah it was good if they if it was true what i said earlier that they waited the 10 years it was good that they waited because yeah. it's hard to like oh, yeah. anytime like even with like dracula that was one of your main things Devin, with him is that the old man makeup just doesn't cut it it's too theatrical takes you out of it right so in this case i they waiting was the way to go um yeah also, um, I hope Bruce Stern was paid $1 million to be in this. 
Uh, side note about Bruce Stern, just because I'm you know, I'm looking up IMDb and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a ton of stuff in pre-production right now and like oh. filming. He's about to be in a ton. He has one, two. June Squibb, too. She's still working. She's 93 Thir- or something. He has 13 films in either either being filmed or in post-production right now. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's the most I've ever, ever seen on IMDb for one actor. That's crazy. And this movie came out like 10 anyway. years ago. So he's just like. Oh, well, a couple of these are video games. Oh, maybe. They, OK, I didn't realize that. Still, but still, he's doing a lot of voice work. Yeah. Well, that's a modern if incarnation. You he's, like the, yeah. he, he's like the Gene Hackman right now. He's the rabbit. <laughs> and so he's Laura Dern's father, is that right? Yes. I think okay. so, yeah. Yeah. The the she she, she kind of looks like him, which is kind of funny, <laughs> I think. Yeah, they have there's a resemblance there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, they're related. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting how that is really a thing that they're able to do in Hollywood where they're it doesn't always take, but a lot of the time a kid of a very famous actor will get at least get their shot, right? Yeah. Some of them are some of the best, some of my favorite actors though, so I can't really like Oh well she's yeah. she's great. Yeah. Michael Douglas is another one where his dad helped him mm-hmm. get in there and it's like, yeah, I love that guy. Um there's tons of tons of examples of that. I think that's called nepotism. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I yeah, mean, go ahead, go ahead. The, the big question I had about this movie, and I guess I will join the chorus of lukewarm people because my reaction to this was sort of lukewarm too. Okay. Um, but my question about this movie was how um, the movie felt about the or how the movie wanted us to feel about the character the like non-main characters because i think that if this movie want was like acting contemptuously towards these characters and wanting us to think that they're bad it would be a very different movie than if not and so i was wondering if people had impressions of that anyone I mean, I, I certainly felt contempt for a lot of these, these characters, particularly when they started kind of going after his his money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, also kind of part of that is I probably have some prejudice towards people from the Midwest. Like, I, you know, I accept that I generally look down on them. And uh, that's, you know, something I don't try to do, but it happens subconsciously. So I don't know if it's something that I was picking up on from the film's depiction of them or um, just something I assume about people from Nebraska. I don't know. Yeah, you know, Jim said last week that there was we were lucky because in this area, in Sonoma County, it's in California, uh, for those listening or don't know, um, we get a lot more. Uh, um, uh, well, how did you put it, Jim? You remember? Well, I, I I feel like, and, and and this is not just us, but it is definitely a California thing, because this is a place that a lot of people want to live we get so much diversity um mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of ethnicities that you know are out here a lot of different racial groups and not to say that there's not racial groups because I, I i found there to be a lot of diversity when i lived in the chicago land area in the suburbs around chicago just a different type uh different uh groups were there were more of 
then out. But this here. is a big city, right? So we're talking yeah, metropolitan. So, sure, uh, but and also having ports and having you know San Francisco and LAX airports. Like we just get a ton of different cultures. People from you know other countries decide to you know come and vacation here. We just are exposed to a lot of diversity. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> with that being said, I guess my point is is that around here, at least, mostly you like at least get a chance to have, you know, different ideas about the world or whatever. But in a place like this, it's so homogenized. It sure, did feel yes. homogenized. Um, yes. That you don't even there's no there's barely any chance of, of escaping that. Um, let me call out. Uh, some of my my favorite supporting characters, the two brothers or whatever that were there. We'll do a, a clip of yeah, those, those guys. Those guys were something else. Too. Yeah, these guys. I imagine if they were even exposed to diversity, it would not penetrate. So let's uh, let's start with this though. Hell, I drove up from Dallas one time. That's eight hundred and fifty miles. I'd done that in eight hours. That's like over a hundred miles an hour. Oh, Bart was moving. Here you go, Davy. Dig in. Thank you. Shit. Two days from Montana. Some bitch must have been driving in reverse. <laughs> I would be so uncomfortable there. <laughs> it it that was one of my favorite moments in the movie, actually, when they go to visit the family and the whole get down with Papa and you know his son sitting so on the real. couch. Yeah, gathered around their TV seat, you know, TV. And then even in when they're having conversation, people are looking away from the TV. Huh? You know, there's a lot of huh going on. It was hilarious. Totally. Was now, so let me funny. run another or, clip. Uh, oh, people, go ahead. People, people, another one. People, facing, <laughs> people, people facing the person that's talking to them, but their eyes are on the TV. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me let me hit you with this, because that's exactly this scene, which is one of my favorite moments in the whole thing <laughs> it's just a bunch of all set it up they're all just watching the the game and it's like a family gathering and it's like all the guys and basically they're they, she said earlier they're men of few words burn you still drive a chevy what make your reservations today at any chevy that impala you used to have i never had an impala I had a Buick. That's what it was. Still driving that? I haven't had that for years. Well, I thought you still had it. Understanding where he was, not crossing the line of scrimmage before he delivered the pass. It was 78, wasn't it? 79. 79. Those were good cars. It was okay. <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore. Those cars will run forever. Whatever happened to it? Stopped running. Wow, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, they'll do that. The same yeah. thing that would make me super uncomfortable about being like at a gathering like that for some reason <laughs> draws me in as someone just like voyeuristically watching the movie. 
Yeah, you know what? I would be interested in, in Boyer Sicky watching, finding a group of people who act like this and then having Devin hang out with them for a while. <laughs> Just watching. <laughs> That's why I was worried about this one with Devin most of all. I was like, he's, I, I wonder if he'll hate this or not, you know? <laughs> it's like if well, the show's I'm... evolving into some ex- sick experiment. I'm sorry, Devin. <laughs> right. Some some litmus test for what Devin uh, will... Uh, will what he can uh, tolerate or whatever. What he can tolerate, yeah. But I, I, it was seen. It was scenes like this that made me wonder what this movie wanted us to think about these people, because they're not like that scene is not particularly flattering, right? Like, no. I, at least I guess I sh- should speak for myself, but like that scene gave me the impression that the person showing those people to us wanted us to think like these people are a waste of time they've got nothing they've got nothing going on in their lives they sit around watching football and they don't even really talk about anything what good are they like that's oh, that's wow. sort of the impression that i, I got. don't know i feel like he's more uh, like can you believe how i grew up and like this is just a slice of life and here's what these people tend to be like that I, at least in his experience maybe he's trying to figure that out too like maybe you guys maybe he was looking for answers or feedback on it or something that that is interesting what what both of you guys are saying too and and you know part of what i think adds to that too when they were going to the different taverns and bars like i couldn't tell the difference between one bar and the other once they got inside it was I I even questioned: Do they film the same bar, just put different people in it? Because it looked the same to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them have any windows. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to look back and see, but yeah, uh, it, I was when they were in that other when they when he left the one bar and told him you don't you don't have to tell me or you don't get to tell me what to do or whatever and stormed out and then went over to the other bar. I was like, oh, I thought they were already at that bar. <laughs> yeah, that was the bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that I think you're right, Ben. I think that it was it, the director was more trying to show and the writer was trying to show like this is what life is like here where I grew up, like the, the, like trying to just show like this is what it's like as realistically as possible. And it's kind of up to the audience to form their own opinion um, of those people. You know, like if, if you think that 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 is just a waste of time and a you know waste of space that these people are just sitting around doing nothing all day, um, you know, someone else might see that someone from the Midwest maybe might see that and think like, like, wow, this is so nostalgic. That's exactly what it was like in my childhood. And, you know, they might, you know, really connect with it in that way. Um, I, I do think the film kind of luxuriates in that nostalgia a little bit. Like it, it, there are like there's a good especially for a two hour film. There's a good 45 minutes of the movie where I was basically just like, what is this movie? Like, what mm-hmm. what's the point? What are we getting to here? And uh, and it's like it's fine. You know, slow films are are their own, you know genre this this kind of you know like um i think jim was saying that it's nice to kind of see a film that's not like an action film that doesn't have to have like you know just constant things happening conflict um there's something relaxing about that but i think this film does take its time a little too much at at times yeah maybe uh it does have that overall sense of being slowed down Um, but i think the under the radar genius of it is that it hits you with those moments that are truly and genuinely entertaining and funny without you seeing them coming because of that, you know, you're just not anticipating it. Yeah. Um, 
And here's and the mom at the graveyard, like Pepe said, that was a pretty good one. Do I have a clip of that? I, I may not have a clip of that, but it was pretty funny when she was at the graveyard, you know, uh, oh, just paying her respects, people, you know, yeah. just in a vulgar way. June Squibb. Uh, she was also in About Schmidt, uh, in, which was 10 years before this with Jack Nicholson and Kathy Bates. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. It's another road film. Maybe that's why she was cast in this, actually. Um, that's too bad I don't have that clip. I thought I got it, but uh, it was pretty... Oh, I do have one of hers. All right, let me play this one, because it kind of follows that other clip. They start asking him for money, right? Uh, it was a pretty good scene. And Kate, we're not asking for much, just a token. I kept records. The money you gave him didn't come close to what you owed. He couldn't say no to anybody, and it ruined him. I think you're having a senior moment here, Kate. Just where did you think that money come from when you got a bee in your bonnet to move up to Billings and open up that salon? For my folks when they croaked, that's where. I don't believe the nerve of you people. Usually a person has to die before the vultures start circling. Calm down, Aunt Katie. We didn't mean nothing by it. We were just doing you a courtesy before we go talk to Woody Direct. Don't you dare think about asking that poor man for money. He ain't poor, he's rich. Even if he was, he wouldn't give you a blessed penny. I'd put my foot down. Maybe it ain't up to you, Aunt Kate. That's enough. You listen real good. You can all just go fuck yourselves. Boys, get your dads. You don't see it coming, right? I mean, that's, that's kind mm -hmm. of the slow genius yeah. of it, but you do have to be ready for like a slow burn type of film. Um, I, I, yeah, kind of a down to earth do, type of thing. I, I do really love the relationship between uh, uh, Kate and Woody. I think that this film, I think if they could have cut out some of that slower, like, you know, just like here's Nebraska stuff, they could have focused a little more and made like a really cool film about like elderly couple, you know, elderly married couples and like how they relate to each other and how, you know, they can have a lot of conflict. And, and at the beginning of the movie, it seems like they absolutely hate each other. And by yeah. the end of the movie, you realize like, no, like she loves Woody very deeply and like is defending him. And then like the kiss at the end, it's like, it's really powerful. And like, I, I think if they had just kind of like drilled down on that a little more, it could have been uh, like a really good film. Um, even more than you know, I still enjoyed it, but it could have been even better. It would have been yeah, uh, Devin approved. <laughs> I do wonder if the film would have been better if they just cut down on some uncertain shots and the timing for for in between sentences and stuff. Like I understand the the reason to kind of have it drawn out, the pacing and everything, um, but. Um, I do, I do, I just contemplate whether Keep or not. Going. Hang on, I'll, <laughs> I'll lead him away. <laughs> whether or not, um, it could have been a little bit of a better film if it wasn't so drawn out. Just because I think that's kind of the, one of the negative aspects of this film is the fact that it's, it is a very long, it feels like a very long film. Like there's definitely longer films I've seen that don't feel that long because I'm entertained and it's, you know, moving so fast. And I get that that's intentional for this film, that it wasn't, um, a super like, like busy film, but I just think if they cut down on the time yeah. that could have helped maybe make it more interesting 
just a bit while while still having those long shots and those long moments just cutting it down i don't know yeah as i um i don't know if it's my shortening attention span because of the internet or or what but i found myself particularly recently like preferring much shorter films and like as soon as i see like if i'm looking for a movie to watch just like on my own if it's like more than 90 minutes i'm like i'm good i kind of feel like all movies should just be an hour like an hour is like the perfect amount of time to watch a piece of media and anything past an hour it's like you, you can feel it and but that's tv why just shows like, are like so shows. yeah like well done or well received these days i think i think there's uh something to that yeah yeah and nobody has the time nobody has the attention to sit for more yeah than i an tend hour. to choose films that are very specific i'm noticing and um uh that you that may not always be for a wide audience but uh, that i find for one reason or another to be interesting uh, and i kind of hone yeah. in on certain aspects of it so i i take your point that they they might have tightened this one up a bit because it, it does feel very slow um but if you want if you're in the mood for something like that and kind of want to like just live in that kind of like slice of life world for a while and kind of luxuriate in it like you said so aptly devin um that that's the mood this movie caught me in the first time i watched it and so like work in that area but um i can see if you're just kind of sitting down to watch a flick you know and uh that like a shorter tighter cut would work better yeah oh sorry go ahead Kat. um just quickly i also think it could have been more impactful because i think sometimes in other films where they have those more long drawn out scenes or moments or like silent moments between characters that it actually has a higher impact because um of how busy the other parts of the film is that they could have i guess the big thing with this film is like was it needed was it necessary to have such a long shot was it needed to have such a long space in between them talking all the time and i think they could have had that but could have just done it more sporadically throughout the film and it actually had a bigger impact by doing it with i at least what i felt with more purpose to to it i agree and i think that the better film of the two and i do like both of them very much but i don't know if you guys have seen side i Pepe said he'd seen it sideways was a I feel like it had a pretty good runtime, but the pacing felt a little more even. Uh, and it well, wanted thought, a better clip. I mean, I thought the pacing of this, I, I don't think you guys are suggesting otherwise, but I thought the pacing of this was like integral to what was going on in this movie. Like this movie moved at the speed of Nebraska, of the things that happened in Nebraska, like at the speed of like the the speed that people think in Nebraska and the speed that people do things in the brass, especially these like hordes of older people, you know, <laughs> things are slow there. And so this movie has got to be slow. It's true to that. Yeah. Even when I was getting the clips, I was like, man, I, I, I wanted to get this specific clip. I knew and I went, I was like, that's like a minute long. And they're, it's, they're not really saying much, but you know, it kind of like yeah. naturally kind of like flows. And then, you know, they hit you with a quick like thing at the end that makes you chuckle or whatever. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Pepe, that it was an intentional device. The length of the movie was an intentional device. Certainly. um, To showcase, because looking at movies that are two and a half hours or longer, um, they're usually reserved for long-lasting action movies that have a lot of weight and or uh, very tense dramas 
like Schindler's List or something like that, right? Where you're just you're you're in it, you know. Um, and this movie wasn't either of those. So why would it choose itself to be two and a half? I think you hit the nail on the head. And getting back to what you said, Devin, yeah, I'm I was the same way. When I seen that it was two and a half hours, and I was probably part of it, I was like, oh my God, two and a half hours, are you serious? <laughs> and um and watching more like TV shows rather than movies and even shorter uh, watching YouTube videos and even watching YouTube videos. I'm like, do I want to sit for 40 minutes to watch this particular video? No, I'll go with a 13 minute one. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, my attention span is. Uh, but then I, I hear what Kat's saying. So I read more books so I can get that attention span back <laughs> back up to where it should be. No, <laughs> You have to work, work against the flow you, of our society you, in that way. Yeah. You guys are really lucky I didn't choose a Jim Jarmusch movie. I'll just say that because that was on oh, yeah. the radar too. If you're familiar with his work, yeah. Mm-mm, Talk no, about the luxuriating in the moment. That's just one of his styles. He's similar to this, but even more like kind of rugged about his approach. Jim Jarmusch, yeah. Well, uh, I think that uh, that clip you played, I thought was a good choice for a couple of reasons. Because, and one of them is, to me, that that instance of her sticking up for Woody Woody was like her redemption scene to me, because up to that point, she's not like a likable character at all. That's when they came together, right? All of them. Yeah. She's like this horrible shrew of a woman that Mm -hmm. you're like, I can understand why this guy doesn't want to be around. You're just like your father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but it also like, uh, sort of, brings to the fore like the other reason why I thought that this movie wanted us to not like all of these other people, which is because not only are they, not only are they presented as being sort of dumb. I don't know how else to put that. They're presented as being sort of dumb. Um, But also they're just like greedy. And so even if you can write off the one as being like, Oh, well, it's a different, place you know things move at a different speed over there they're also just like greedy and they want all of his money and they don't they can't like give up a grudge Uh, and so i think this movie is like really stacking stacking the deck against them i think that's just the reality though well some of them though i i think the movie did a good job in this respect of um portraying a certain slice of life in our country as realistically as it could and and but there was there was also other moments other than greed yes there were you know that small town holding a grudge for the rest of your life and there was definitely greed and unfortunately you've seen the greed with the family as that clip was talking about but then you also seen the communal sense of the town because there were people he passed by when he was in the truck and he was hiding his son where people Mm -hmm. were saying goodbye Woody you know and they were genuinely like even though you haven't shown up here for years and perhaps even decades that communal thing of like I remember you 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 know what I mean just like it was yesterday and saying goodbye and still thinking that he had won the fortune because it wasn't all you know all public i think and a lot of people didn't wish him well yeah 
Yeah. And, and then even the newspaper well lady that... that he dated was like, well, I won't not print it, you know, but I'll just print a little story about how he came coming through town. Yeah. And then later on, when he was in the truck, she looked very, there was a complexity of, of feelings going on between both of them looking at each other. It was almost like a wistfulness on her part. Not that she wasn't happy with the way her life went because she married and had kids, like she had said, but there was almost that what could have been. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? And that was a very complex emotion that and I real. was awesome. Yes. I know real. people who, when their partner, their life partner uh, died, um, that they ended up getting back together with their high school sweetheart. You know, that happens. Yes. There's still yes. like some feelings there or whatever. Um, yeah. I think even, but I think even some of those moments were played against <laughs> them because like the reason why like when he's talking to that woman um, in the, well, her case might not be a good example, but I think that sometimes, sometimes the joke is that, especially when they're talking a lot about like the, the different interrelations and who's sleeping with who, like mm -hmm. those jokes are twofold, right? It's funny because they're old people and they're talking like frankly about sexual things, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also it's also shocking or funny because they're like these like presumably like uh, sort of Christian Midwesterners who are supposed to have these like morals and shouldn't be acting in this like, I don't know, promiscuous way or something. <laughs> and it's showing them to be, it's showing them to be, I don't know, I guess you could take it e either way. It's either showing that to be a lie or showing them to be hypocrites. I, I, to the, I don't want to be a contrarian, but I feel like maybe it's possible that he was just presenting what was there and that your, your experiences well, but, or you're, you're bringing that judgment of them to the table, maybe. But well, I also but don't disagree the, with you the, because I, that's what I got out of it too. You know, I'm making those judgments too, but I feel like it's the accuracy is there though, for the most part. Well, I agree. I mean, I think he's showing. I think he's showing us an accurate representation of what the people are like in Nebraska and, and asking us to think to ourselves what we think about these people. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I do enjoy movies that show people where they are rather than where they should be, you know? Um, yeah. So being able to see the fullness of these slices of life and the relatability, um, like I had said earlier, you know, I seen members of my my family, like my great grandparents when they were alive, you know, when I was growing up, they did die when I was young. But remembering they didn't really watch TV, conversation was slower. They were more about the home cooked meal and spending like uh, family time was really that family time talking to us. You know, yeah. for hours, for hours and hours. And yeah, that it was a little bit different in this movie, but there was enough like representations and mannerisms that I could see that in my family. I could see that. Me too. Some of my parents' friends, especially as they got older, you know. That so. may be what drew me to this. And because it, there's a level of comfort in stuff that you know, and this ring is authentic for me. And I remember my grandma talking in that kind of like in similar 
I don't know where she, I think she was from California, but just kind of had that similar cadence yeah. to her speech or something that, that reminded me of some of the people in this, you know? Um, yeah. Did anyone, and, uh, oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh, oh I was going to just raise a couple of points based on what I heard earlier when we were talking about um, the, the wife, uh, what was that character's name or the actress? You You guys have said it. Um, the mother. And the character's was, name was Kate, and the actor's name was June. Right. June okay, June. Where yes, we do not like her in the beginning, um, because she's kind of she's like bitching about everything, you know. Sarah will uh, listen to her. Bemoaning everything, and then you're mm -hmm. like, so you get into the like why he would want to leave, until you get into the real reasons of why he wanted to go to Nebraska. But later on, through the town of origin for both of them, learning about who she was as a person, yeah. um, you kind of learn that she was a little bit of a spitfire. And one of the things yeah. that the guy said that um, your mom's a real bitch, it reminded me of Dolores Claiborne, where the women in that movie said, sometimes you have to be a bitch to, you know, to, to, to move forward. Mm -hmm. And where a, where a man can get off, you know, having a strong backbone and saying what they mean, um, it's harder for a woman. And so that that one thing that the, and that was the villain, I think, that said it when he said that. And of course he would say yeah. that because he wouldn't want a strong woman around him. And I, it gave me more to what her character was. So then later on, when she's at the hospital and she's kissing, you know, Bruce Stern's forehead and definitely loving him, you know, you could see that, like those little moments at, you know, they lent the credits, credits to the end. And we found out that she was a spitfire. She was a strong person, you know? So. Yeah. Let me, let me give another, uh, give me some more, give more love to June Squibb. Um, and this is a fun turn in the movie as well. That's not my compressor. Sure it is. I didn't look anything like that. It, it has to be yours. It's an old compressor we found in Ed Pegram's barn. That wasn't Ed's barn. What are you talking about? That's a Westendorf place. Oh, that's right. Right, the Westendorfs. Oh, the Pegrams live closer to town. Oh, I got confused. Ed and his wife, Dorothy. God, what a pig she was. Anything you want to say about the Wessendorfs? No, they're good folks. They had some tough times. They lost a child, almost went broke, but they worked hard and saved the farm. Salt of the earth, the Wessendorfs. They really didn't deserve what you boys did to them. They had these really long buildups, yeah. but the payoffs, I think, in the movie really worked for me. That payoff of her, the payoff of uh, the son punching Ed Pigram, Pigram, or however you say it. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, the final big payoff of Bruce Dern driving through town with the hat and the truck and, you know, kind of making everyone question whether or not the uh, lie was real. Um, did those pay off, those moments pay off for you guys? Because I know you, a lot of you said there was great moments, even if the pacing was maybe not what you were hoping for. Yeah, definitely. I think that those, and then like like I mentioned, the kiss at the the end when when June kisses his uh, or uh, 
yeah, Kate kisses his cheek uh, in the hospital. Um, yeah, those really did pay off for me. And I, I think that like, I really, I feel like the films that I have to suspend my disbelief most on and weirdly are feel good films. These, these films where it's like, basically the whole movie is you just watch someone be tortured for like an hour and a half, you know, it's just like, just like horrible shit happens to this guy. Like everyone's treating him like garbage. Everyone's like begging him for money. He's like wandering down the street, obviously, you know, like dementia or something setting in. And, uh, and then at the end, like something amazing happens and you're supposed to feel happy about it all. And it's like, that's, you know, little miss sunshine is the exact same way. It's like the whole film makes you feel kind of awkward and sad. And then the ending is happy. And it like, it like, is like a bounce back. And, uh, I feel like for some reason, those are the films I have to like fully like turn my brain off to not be like not to not see it coming, you know, a mile away and not, you know, um, not have it feel hollow at the end. Uh, but but I still enjoyed it. I still enjoy feel good films nonetheless, because I'm able to do that and, and turn my brain off. <laughs> you to turn your brain off to enjoy the, yeah, the right. delivery there. <laughs> Interesting. I think, um, well, for me, the biggest payoff was her was uh, Kate's. Uh, speech at the end when she's when she's really dressing down everybody in the family asking for money I really enjoyed that um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that, i thought that was the the biggest character payoff for me at least because it really it really like turned me around on how i felt about her as a character um the other parts of it i don't know i this came across to me as a little as a little saccharine uh sometimes um and yeah, I mean, I think I, I just think there's a lot going on in the background of this movie um, that I just uh, I think, yeah, there's a I think there's a lot going on in the background that I'm I haven't quite unraveled all of it yet. Um, so. Well, what do you mean by saccharine? Can you expound on that? Sweetness, yeah. saccharine sweetness. Yeah, a little overly sweet, like the. Um, like, like the end, the payoff at the ending. The, At the, the end, yeah, like letting his dad, yeah, uh, letting his dad drive down Main Street on the truck. Um, I don't know. That was a little too on the nose for me. Maybe I don't know. Didn't hit. Didn't quite hit for me. Um, so, did you both see it that coming? Be speaking to Devin and Pepe, who answered because you both said that you kind of have to like to enjoy it. You kind of have to not overthink it or whatever Devin. yeah i mean i i know I, a, a part of me thought uh, early on at least that maybe it like somehow the lottery thing was real and not a scam and he was just gonna get the money because that would be like a very mm -hmm. predictable ending um but after they like actually read the text of the thing and i talked about like magazine subscriptions like okay okay clearly it's not real that would be like at this point it would be absurd yeah. if uh if it was actually real and he got the money and uh i think after yeah after like they actually visit the the lottery shop i'm like okay yeah let's, the son's gonna like do something nice for his dad like that's the eventuality of this film is that the son's gonna make some some grand gesture and it'll it'll kind of wrap everything up mm -hmm. i didn't expect him to go back to the town um like when he offered to have him drive i thought they were already back in in billings or whatever their their hometown and so that 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 was kind of nice that was like still kind of saccharine um but at least unexpected, which is more than I can ask for out of a, uh, a feel good film. So, yeah, I thought it was touching, but, um, I could say again, it's like, you know, it's different. It's hits people differently. So it's kind of interesting to me to see how it plays for other people because it doesn't always play the same, but did any, to get uh, mythological, um, did anyone draw parallels with Don Quixote? 
Hmm. No, why do you say that? Because it was basically felt like a very much a Don Quixote tilting at windmills thing for Bruce Dern, who was aloof and not aware people were making fun of him. And uh, his son was kind of like the sidekick fellow who was the one who was wow really going through the the struggle that his dad was kind of not there. He was in his own world the whole time, right? Well, I can see that. I can see that as a parallel. But I thought I think that one of the other important parts of Don Quixote is that you have the character of Don Quixote. Um, sort of like unfailingly holding to this code of honor, this ideal that he has of what is good and right. And it's really because he's holding to that ideal that people are making fun of him. And I don't necessarily know that that was what was going on with Bruce Dern's character. No, no. And I didn't mean it was a direct, like based off of it, but it, I think it borrowed heavily from that. And it might've been some yeah. sort of inspiration. Yeah, I, he is, he is discussed as being like a really good, like in, in, in the part of his life that we don't get to see, he was apparently a very good man and good to everyone. And now they are trying to take advantage of him. So I guess um, there is that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Isn't Don Quixote kind of a fool in certain ways too? Well, I mean, people he's treat a fool him like because that, right? he want. Yeah, he's yeah. a fool because he thinks... Because he acts like a knight, and people are just sure. like, why would you act this way? It's stupid. Yeah. Let me play a scene related to that when he's finally, his son finally snaps him out of it and maybe realizes that he should just play it through, you know, after this. I want a new truck. Why do you need a truck so bad? Just to have it. I always wanted a brand new truck. What about the rest of the money? You don't need a million dollars for a damn pickup truck. It's for you boys. I wanted to leave you something. So he did have a goal in mind, and after that, he's like, yeah, we don't have to go. You know, we don't have to go to deposit the check or try to cash the check or whatever. And so... And then it was up to the son to take up the mantle, right? And and uh, get him back to that, close to that reality. And by the way, if this movie teaches us anything, is if the lie is big enough and you stick with it, you can indeed uh, warp reality and convince the world, a.k.a. Trump's mm -hmm. political playbook. Yeah, I, I felt like that moment right there was really sad when he said, you, you know, ba ba it's, it seemed to me like, Bru uh, the character of Bruce Dern at that point was really thinking back at the end of his life, you, you know, and the things that he really wanted and the legacy he wanted to leave behind and his whole mission, because he always wanted a truck, you know, but he wanted to leave something behind for his sons. And I think that based on what we know, that he was kind of an absentee father right he had fought in the yeah. korean war he was an alcoholic he didn't he wasn't this he was the same person that he was in the small town but he wasn't realizing those things right because he wasn't giving to his two sons you know he was a drunk 
Yep. And, yeah, we learn a lot about his past, right? Like little snippets. Yeah. And, you know, being at the end of his life and wanting to leave his kids something, that was just such a sad moment. Yeah. Um, here's a very, very short clip uh, that kind of gives you one of those peaks uh, into why he is who he is. And then, Jim, this is the part I'm talking about where you can armchair, uh, go armchair okay. psychologist or whatever and take a crack. I'll, I'll try my best. Sure, sure. I'm just curious if you have an opinion. But b okay. based on what else you learned from him, the war and all that, you know, what the snippets mm -hmm. and then this little spot. <clears throat> my parents from. I got whipped if they found me in here. Guess nobody's gonna whip me now. And that was the house that his dad built with his brothers or whatever, and they were visiting. Which they kind of had to drag him out to see. Yeah. Well, this but, this uh, was a this. I sorry, Jim. I want to I want to give you a chance to say something. But this was another thing. This was, I think, another one of the issues that I had with the movie because I think it's it's hard to say whether this movie is like allowing itself to be being ambiguous for the sake of allowing itself to be interpreted or just not really knowing what it's wanting to say because i don't know whether we're what we're supposed to take of this is like yeah woody really did waste his life he has nothing to show for it he has nothing to leave his kids and he feels like that now at the end of his life he's ashamed of not having anything to leave his kids or are we supposed to feel like well he has a family he has sons. Uh, his son seems to care for him. He has a wife that loves him. He has a son that's like on a road trip with him and is buying him a new used, a lightly used truck and a new air compressor. And gosh darn it, that's enough. You know, like, is that the conclusion we're supposed to have? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a, a mix of all of that, but maybe um, that it's some consolation to his son that they were able to forge some kind of a bridge and kind of tie up some some of this stuff before he died you know get that sort of stuff in order before he actually loses them um a lot of people don't get to do that that's for sure a lot of these guys will just uh ride off in the sunset being their old crotchety quiet selves and never have those moments so i don't know how that strikes you or not but um and again, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate because I don't totally disagree with you either. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a hard it's hard to tell sometimes whether these movies are being whether the message is confused or intentionally ambiguous uh, or or just not like there isn't a clear maybe there isn't a clear message. That seems less likely to me, but that seems more likely to me, though. I feel like he's just kind of presenting what some of it's almost felt autobiographical in a way, maybe just like, you know, um, yeah. you know, loosely, loosely based off of experiences and impressions of where he came from. Yeah, I think to portray the complexity of life, right? Because the complexity of life is there's some uh, and I and I to answer, you know, the point that you were making, Pepe, I feel like this movie was intentional. Um in what it was trying trying to say 
and purposely being complex um because like i think it was trying to portray as realistic as possible life in a small town right you know or going back to a small town and that type of thing maybe for better or for worse right for better or for worse and there's a lot of evidence of the the complexity of life because you know most movies are kind of have a bow high ending you, you you know they're all wrapped up and you know everything's good but that's not how life goes and so having the complexity of emotions like his old girlfriend you know when they looked at each other that final time that type of thing you you know um there are some answers but then there's more questions but what what was the context of the question that you're asking um ben as far as that scene as far as which specific scene um well the thing that you you the clip that you had played and then you said you wanted uh maybe a, a oh uh, yeah yeah we got off the psychology thing well i mean i yeah. guess just that was just one example but there it seemed like a pretty complex character and they revealed a lot in little bits about his past so obviously a lot was put into writing the character um and just yeah. maybe i guess some kind of like armchair diagnosis of of what this guy what kind of like what was about like clinically if you had any ideas or impressions therein um so as far as bruce stern i definitely thought he went through some trauma in the in the korean war and that really affected him up until this present time you know um drinking uh and that type of thing uh being an absentee father which i talked about and he was seeking to make amends uh thus the comment of saying you know his father whips him but there's no one around to whip him now because he is the father so he is the one that's supposed to um uh discipline himself so to speak and do the good things and the correct things and i think he's a man of few words so it's really hard to get a bead on exactly where he is but maybe that's the point i think he's yeah. a he's a man that's thinking back on his life as much as he can dealing with dementia because that just adds a whole nother level to it and sometimes he's not really there you know he says huh a lot like he's just spacing out and he needs yeah. to be brought, kind of brought back to the present so that's got to be a difficulty that i can't even imagine but when he's i guess in his more lucid states i really truly believe he's thinking back on the life that he had lived and i think going to his hometown really sparked a lot of that as it probably would you know familiar places familiar faces as they say yeah somehow and, getting this thing in the mail like woke him up to that like before that he probably would have just bumped yeah. along and never kind of resolved any of this stuff yeah and it's almost like the the you know the writer was like you know the what if you know what if i wrote a story about somebody that gets consumer sweepstakes in the mail yeah and chooses to believe it and chooses and then wrote in his own experiences about you know how he grew up in nebraska um yeah. and, and all that that kind of stuff that to, to create that thread of story yeah but i think this is a definitely a character that is thinking about his children and and, and his legacy 
and has he done right by them? You know, and I think there's a, a lot, a plenty of evidence in this story that that would support that. You know, such as leaving the money. I mean, to the literal, leaving my he finally money for squeezed you, out you. the reason, the real reason he wanted to yeah. leave something to his kid. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if some of this is wishful thinking on the part of the writer, because a lot of these yeah. guys, I know, I know enough about that those types of guys that are real, and they never had this kind of moment of reflection towards the end of their lives. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead, Kat. I'd also like to add that, um, just speaking in regards to like this movie being about a man who believes that he won this funny um and just how the people treated him differently after finding out uh that he did well not actually but you know um that it actually is speaking a lot about our value in american society regarding money and also talk it's also a huge contrast to the poverty that we see throughout the film too like mm. Um, you know, especially, you know, I think being in the Midwest too, having all these people kind of having this slower life, but also, you know, small town America tends to be much more, um, impoverished in many ways because they don't have huge economies, huge cities, like, you know, um, places like, you know, the Bay area that, you know, there's a lot of, um, huge history of access to, importing exporting of course because we're so desolate there ocean exactly so yeah it's a lot of these small towns throughout the country and and this is one of the big things i wanted i'd like to talk or want to discuss is um is about small town america in the sense of how many uh towns have relied on economy that no longer exists you know like coal mining and um uh, back in the day, you know, uh, even gold mining and that kind of stuff. Um, and now they, ever since then, they, they haven't been able to thrive as an economy anymore. And so you have these generations of family impoverished. Um, that I think definitely has affected their ability to be, you know, as well-rounded or as an open or educated person as they could have and had they you know, been exposed to that living in a bigger city that naturally comes with, with it. Um, and I think also the big thing that reminded me of this like small town America feel, um, was about, it was regarding, uh, Kate, the mother talking about how all these men back in her day kept like being really frisky with her, like sexually and stuff. Um, and it reminded me of how actually, you know, my, one of my friends who lives in Carson city, Nevada, which is a, you know, it's a pretty decent sized town. It's also the capital of Nevada that that's also the norm that she currently deals with when going to the bars that she currently deals with men who have zero, you know, uh, like it, it is the norm f- for her to be like touched by men, you know, without, you know, it being okay or consented and all that stuff. And yeah. um, that that's also part of the small town America culture too. Even even something like that is also mm. um, a part of it. And the mom the mom kind of talking about it, and she does she says it very like jokingly and kind of like 
you know, kind of like, oh, I was definitely desired and wanted by these men, kind of like when I was younger. But um, in each case, it's always what she talks about wasn't I was attracted to him or I was, you know, I was trying to it was they touch me, the guys touch me and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's a microscopic part of small town America, uh, for sure, that um, it reminded me of what my my friend has been dealing with just living in Carson City, Nevada. And again, not a super, super small town. And it's not like not on the map. It for sure is. But that's part of it, too. And even here, I also want to dispel the idea that like the Midwest is like fundamentally different than like than California. It it is. But you find pockets of small town America in California, like California is a big state. This this movie reminded me a lot of like going to visit my grandma who lives in Sonora, just like an hour away from Yosemite. And mm-hmm. that is very much small town. And the people there, it it reminded me a lot of all of that, of how she even interacts with other people, all, the, all these things. Um, and they were a gold mining town. Again, another economy that's obviously not present anymore. Boom and then bust, um, yeah. Yeah, and I've just heard so many stories from my stepfather, who's, that's, that's his mom, um, talking about the differences between, you know, being born and raised in a small town versus somewhere like here in Santa Rosa, you know, um, or close to the Bay Area, that there's just these stark, these huge cultural differences. And again, this is in the same state. This is only four hours away from where we live and you still can find pockets of that. So it's still insulated somehow for the most part or the day to day is anyway. What did she say? Like somehow like they stared at like cow hindquarters all day or something. She was kind yeah, of like yeah, better yeah, for men, worse yeah. explaining why they were like that. That was her take. Cows and sheep. Yeah. 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 So a real woman just drives them crazy or whatever. She yeah. put it more, she put it in a more colorful way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that that was, I thought that the way that these places looked, which is just like ramshackle and dying, they're just dying. They're right? dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was another sort of, indication of what this movie might be saying which Mm -hmm. is like this place and this culture should be allowed to die it's full of old people it's full of people who are like weird right that i feel like that's your take but i I think what he's saying is that it is dying but you're you're bringing the allowed part well but if it is dying if that's the statement right this place is dying yeah then what I don't, I, I can't, well, <laughs> that would elicit a reaction from us, right? That mm-hmm, That's what, mm-hmm. I, that's what I mean. Like, that's what art does, right? It makes a statement and it elicits a reaction, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if the statement is, this place is dying, what is the reaction to the viewer? Which is probably at least one of two things. We need to save it or we need to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I so agree with this, your, I agree with your takeaway. I just, I think the distinction is more in the intent to okay if maybe yeah well no i because i've agreed with your opinion all throughout the thing but i just think it's that's what you're bringing to it rather than he's stating it outright that it should die he's just saying here it is it's dying like this was a slice of this thing that's going away or whatever and this is what it's like and then you can bring your judgments to that no 
Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I think you're being really judgy. <laughs> <laughs> but I That's also agree with do. what you're saying. I think that it probably, sh- you know, should just, you know, it's going to fade out and for better or for worse. And uh, it just doesn't really, it doesn't seem to be offering much. The kids are up to nothing, you know? And you're, and you're being incendiary. <laughs> yeah, incendiary, right? It, and the and even like the, to to Kat's point, one of the brothers was like doing some kind of sexual assault freeway cleanup yeah, gig right. or whatever. So it's like obviously continuing in that regard. So the, the bad yeah. parts of it, right? I also think when we talk about small town uh, America that we we always talk about it in a negative sense. Um, and I think there are for sure pros to small town America. And I, and I think a, a huge one is if you do want to be more, you know, a, a less busy life, more in tune with nature, surrounded by nature, that's slower and that you really have a sense of community um, and are kind of more attached to the tangible things versus like, I don't try to, uh, like, if you want to be more in tune with like conversations and people and like really having the time to take care and, and, and be in tune with other people around you, I think small town ha- elicits more of that kind of setting. Um, and I think the issue with small town is the is is largely based off the economy and if they had an economy that they would be hopefully able to not be as impoverished and be hopefully more educated and stuff um so i i don't think it's like i don't think small town america is like this negative thing i think it could be a pro it's just the way that it's been handled unfortunately it's been yeah i i agree I don't think it is inherent to what it is or, but I think that, but I also think that clearly something has been festering there. Um, and that's me making that judgment. Like even watching this movie, like we see where we are now and we see if we accept this as the kind of the truth of how things are going in these small towns, um, it was like a problem waiting to happen. True. In well, that I mean, sense, you can, you can see why all these people choose to just like, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. You can see why these places would be the place where an opioid epidemic would take place. It makes sense, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's layers. Of I mean, and I'm not, yeah. and I'm not excusing these the doctors who are. I mean, they're they're part of that fucking shit show too. But you can see why this would take place. You can see why something like that would take place. The doctors and the and the companies making these pills. It's not uh, just there, see, though. I mean, San Francisco is like overrun right now, from yeah, what I yeah. from from what I've seen and understand. So, but they didn't really touch on that. They were touching on small towns, and the small town yeah. drug use is just as high as anywhere else uh, with like meth well, and opioids and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like you know all social problems will bleed into the larger culture. Um, and if we don't talk about them, if we don't deal with them, if we don't like, uh, you know, put them on the front burner to deal with, uh, a lot of examples, AIDS, you know, when that was just confined to like, you know, uh, IV drug users and gay people, you know, and then, and then it got bigger 
um, shootings in schools, that's been happening in the inner city since the 70s. But when it happens in Columbine, you know, then in the heartland of America, now it's a wake up call. Now let, let, let's wake up to deal with this. It, it's been happening yeah. and it will be. And I believe necessarily social problems will always bleed into the larger culture if you don't deal with them. I think that's the very nature, just like shadow self of a person, right? They say if you keep a secret, it becomes the biggest part of yourself, you know? Um, uh, but anyways, going back to what you were talking about, uh, Kat, as far as small towns, yeah, I think it's complex. Um, I think that some small towns are dying right if you look at their economics if you look at their population literally they're they're dying i think some small towns are in flux um i i think that it's a very complex issue because i've read different things over the years about small towns in different facets right so one of the things is the digital divide right so if we want to create a new economy um, because these small towns thrived on factory work and that's no longer around or mining and that's not around or lumber because some small towns revolve around lumber and that's not around. Then we have to devise um, new economies, but without having access to the internet, it's very, very difficult to do that. And um, some of these articles talked about creative ways to bring reliable internet. Uh, for instance, use uh, putting bringing buses in that have a I don't know I don't know technology that much, but like have an amplifier so they can pick up a symbol from somewhere far away so they can bring it to that small town, and then these towns either buy these buses or rent them so that the area can have access to the internet. You know. Um, uh, even to the point of trying to get enough tax dollars from the struggling towns to lay the infrastructure of their own internet and coming under battle of bigger internet companies that don't want that. These bigger companies don't want to put their own internet in these small towns because it's not profitable enough, but they, they don't want the small town doing it either. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so they'll Yeah, they don't want to their... invest in it, but they don't want to be threatened. By a yeah, new with their precedent, that can yeah, grow. with their law, sure, and their lobbyists. And then I've read um, mm -hmm. some articles about you know the need for having professionals, right? So the need to have mental health, and mental health looks different in rural areas than it does in the city. Um, healthcare looks different in rural areas than it does in the city. And how do you attract professionals to the? Um, rural areas and these articles talk about that and then other articles talk about telecommuting uh, professionals. and yes, uh, exactly. and price of real estate is is actually kind of shifting that right now we're kind of seeing that yes. now and this wasn't happening during the time of this film yeah and it's getting bigger and then um some professionals choose to go and live in a small town because yep. like what you were saying cat you know there is an attraction to small town. I mean, even just the limited travel that I've done, I love the small towns that have no chain stores or very few chain stores. They have, and they, and, and a lot of them have intentionally done this. They, they do, they say no to any type of big business coming in. And then you see all the boutiques 
and the mom and pop stores and people making their own stuff and the richness of all of that. I'm like, that is so attractive. That is so attractive. So I think it's a very complex subject, but to, to get to the opi opioid epidemic, right? So these layers of discontent, because you, you know, there's a lot of problems, right? You're not able to, for whatever, connect to the greater economy or there's not enough jobs or whatever. I think it also made these small towns ripe for the rhetoric of our past president that sold them a dream. Uh, in the same sense of a publisher's clearinghouse winning ticket. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, same kind well of done. Thing. I totally was agree. Yeah, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I would just do you know, what you just said, um, Jim, about there was a lot of discussion about, you know, the the forgotten America of the country, you know, and why so many people, you know, elected Trump um, based off of that. And the promises that, you know, Trump did make to those small towns about like bringing back coal, which obviously, you know, sounds probably ridiculous to us. But that to them was like, oh, I just need a job and a job is, you know, going to guarantee that I'm not living, you know, uh, impoverished in an impoverished like means. So there is that part of it. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. it was obviously happened to the 2016 election uh, that led up to mm -hmm. it. Um, and there's a, there was a lot of discussion and circulation in that in the media. I remember reading about that. But um, I also want to just touch base that like I. I lived in Lake County for a bit, and uh, although it's not, you know, that far away from here, it's definitely also much smaller, and I, I would consider it a small town, too, um, and it was very much, you know, something I'm able to connect with also in a personal level because of the fact that I, I had that experience, and we, you know, speaking about mom and pop shops, like, we knew you know, we always knew which stores were there. And as soon as a store left or changed, we like, that was something like, oh my God, you know, what happened to that store? You know, um, you know, it, it was like a big deal. Whereas now, you know, li living back in Santa Rosa, um, especially, or going and living in San Francisco, like those things aren't something I notice or, you know, I care to, to pay attention to, right. but that was always a big deal. Um, when it came, you know, um, uh, when I, when I lived in up in Lake County. So, uh, there is, there is a lot of, yeah, nuance to this stuff. And I don't think it's as simple as saying that these areas should die off because they do elicit certain kind of people too. Um, but I, I mean, for me, I think the, the ideal situation is to revamp these areas and make sure that these people are mm -hmm. taken care of and that we mm -hmm. deal with these problems and you know try to solve it with solutions so i think the redeeming to add to what you're saying i think the redeeming value this occurred to me while you were speaking there is that uh evolutionary uh, evolutionarily speaking um we are wired and and evolved to be in groups of what a hundred people in a tribe and then now we live in cities of millions you know and again it's yes. a matter of our hardware hasn't caught up to how society's evolving. And so I think if there's something worth uh, saving about small towns is that you're living in a setting that's 
agrees more naturally with how we are as human beings. And so there is a certain comfort to that. That is, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that these places should just be left to die either. I mean, we're sort of reaping the, the benefits of the, the benefits of that right now. I mean, it, it's not, yeah. a, it's not an okay thing to do. No, I mean, ignore it at your own peril, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not even, not even just for like the, what we might think of as negative, like political reasons, there are people there and they need to be treated well, like everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And so to just like, let them, and it's so funny because like one of the things that struck me about this movie also is that you see these like what these like impoverished places the with these like old poor people living in these like palatial houses that are just falling apart yeah right and it's sad i mean it's sad that they are just like constantly surrounded by the like glory of yesteryear mm -hmm. and are just seeing it like fall down around their 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 ears you know mm hmm and it's not okay, you know. Those people need to be cared for in the same way that everybody else needs to be cared for. Yes, and those elements that are negative, I think, crop up out of the situation they're in, possibly parts of that. And then the other parts are that their society was def has they have not had the opportunities and the exposure to know that certain things are that we've either moved on or learned from these things in, in, in areas where we have to live in greater numbers and make things work for everyone, you know, if we're going yeah. to make it work. Um, and so there's, there hasn't been that catching up in that sense, you know, they just haven't been exposed to that yet. Well, there's also the question of economics and class there. there there's a sure. lot more re research now that debunks, debunks the American dream in the sense of, you can start with from anywhere and end up anywhere else, mm -hmm. right? This, this is statistics of people that start off in the bottom 20%. What are their chances of even making it to the middle class? What are their chances to even make it to the upper middle class? That this whole ideal of social mobility is not as fluid as we like to think it is. And so not only is there the homogeneity, but the question of economics too, you know, and, and when you bring psychology into it, you know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if mm -hmm. uh, a much of your energy, uh, you know, I lived briefly in Reading and um, going to like a lot of the fast food places around there and customer service, you know, the jobs that pay minimum wage. Mm -hmm. I seen older adults at these jobs for the most part. They weren't teenagers, you know, mm. there were people in their 30s and 40s, you know, working at the Walmarts and the Burger Kings and all and those kind of places because it's just a smaller scale economy. So if you're working two to three jobs, you know, and, and even if you're only working one job, but your energy is spent focused on worrying about your physical needs, you don't have that time and energy to worry about those higher hierarchical needs you don't have that time to think about my community my overall my society right because you know you can't you can't be self-actualized when you're looking for your next meal or shelter or whatever yes yeah so that in itself is a problem 
Yeah, definitely, so true. Yeah, I definitely think that this film overall isn't, I don't think it's trying. I don't think the intent of the film was to have any political statements or stances. I think it was just merely a reflection of um, an aspect of the American culture and 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 people in in the U.S. and I think that in itself, when you go into it and you start thinking about it deeper, then that's when you you know tie politics into it and how that's pla- that how that's mm-hmm. played. Of exactly course, I what film, I was going to say. Yeah, and of course, this film I think is you know the purpose is is really the father and son relationship and kind of going through mm-hmm. Nebraska and everything. Um, but there is, like I said. Um, the first time watching this film, I think I was, I did have more of a lukewarm um, perception to it, but I think watching it the second time and again, having that education from the first time I watched it to now um, Mm -hmm. and seeing how all these elements have played into uh, what makes a place like Nebraska be like Nebraska. um, I think that those, it's really the undertones and what's not blatantly said that, spoke to me um it was really the subtlety and the nuance to those things that really i thought made it a really good film um and even just like the fact that the only you know person of color that we see in this entire film was um the hispanic mechanics um Mm -hmm. and the fact that that one interaction too you know uh that he says something about like oh you're using the wrong wrench like even something as small as that that didn't have anything um there was no like obvious big political statement on any of that but it was still a reflection of of an america that we have in our country um that uh, without a doubt you know politics has played a, a role into why those people in those communities exist you know yeah i had a similar takeaway especially now after our conversation that you know, they were. It was about this kind of s- small people having a, a small adventure that was important to themselves, and they were presenting a slice of life. But I think that since this came out, it's just that that slice became very, very important and relevant to us. And maybe it was a bigger slice than any of us realized. Mm-hmm. And it kind of uh, speak about ignore it your peril. It's like, hey, my takeaway, whether or not it was written into the film, was like, you know, there is some problems here. And uh, sure enough, that's uh, been playing out. So hopefully we can, uh, in in the real world, outside of the film or whatever, hopefully we can tackle those issues and, and stop ignoring that half the country is struggling in that sense in, in sure. ways. That, and, and a lot of us are struggling in our own uh, ways and don't have those opportunities that maybe other generations have enjoyed. Um, many of them have not. But uh, some of the recent ones might have, you might argue that they have, um, but that this specific thing has been going on for quite some time. It's like this slow death, right? And um, mm. and yeah, consequences, comeuppance for ignoring them. Does anyone else have anything they want to add before we uh, take it to a commercial break? Um, I will add a couple of quick. Uh, factoids. Uh, so Hawthorne, the town where they, where most of the movie takes place, is made up. Um, they shot it in several different towns. I think he, the director probably didn't, or the, well, this is where he's from, so I don't know if he changed that or worked directly with the writer or something. I sense that they worked together closely. Could be wrong. 
but I think maybe he didn't want to call out any specific town would be the reason behind that. And um, I saw a plant and payoff there, which I love calling out, you know, structure stuff, right? Um, Albert that was sitting on, out on the road uh, when Woody drives past with the hat and stuff, they had to give him a good reason or backstory for sitting out there watching the cars go by or would have seemed to drive. So I was like the plant and payoff. As always, good conversation, but it is time to kind of think about grades. But uh, before that, <laughs> we do have time for a quick commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Did you receive word that you may have already won a million dollars, but your family won't let you walk to Nebraska to pick it up? Did they try to gaslight you into thinking that you didn't really win a million dollars? Did they urge you to just mail it in when you know full well that you can't trust the mail with a million dollars? Well, it's time to tell the world. I want my million dollars, and I want it now. So pick up your rotary phone and call GG Sentworth. That's GG Sentworth, 877-CASH-COW. We just need a small processing fee of $999.95, and we will mail you a certified check for the exact amount you actually won. So go ahead, brag at your hometown bar to all your oldest friends. Looks like the next round is on you. Congratulations, it couldn't have happened to a smarter guy. Side effects include tying up loose ends, visiting the old family farm, settling old scores, having your boys steal the wrong air compressor, and everyone you've known sidelining you to insist you do the right thing and share the wealth. Call GG Sentworth, 877-CASH-COW. Call now. <laughs> Oh man. Awesome. Are those are those commercials just local or are they national? I hope they're national. I think they're national. Yeah. It'll stick in your head. G Have fun with G that the rest of the day. Work, yeah. Exactly. So we've come to the segment of our show where it's time to submit our final grades and tally the GPA. Um, so, uh, being the person who submitted this, I like this movie a great deal and I enjoyed our conversation. And as usual, I'm always surprised at, uh, the different opinions and where people, what people take away and bring to the film. Uh, but personally, I, this is one of those films I really enjoy. So I'm going to give it an A. It worked for me, but though I do understand that, uh, you do have to be in the mood for the pacing of it, but it, uh, it just suited me pretty well. Kat, what did you think of, uh, Nebraska? Um, so like I said, I think the first time I watched it, I did have a more of a lukewarm reception to it. Um, it was, I, I remembered it being a pretty slow film. Um, but, uh, watching it the second time years later, um, I definitely appreciate a lot more of the film and, um, I'll have to, yeah, give it a B at this point. Cool. Yeah. It's almost like you have to be in the mood to go on a road trip to watch a road trip movie sometimes. Um, unless it's like, you know, the college age go out and party road trip film. But something like this, it's about like characters going on a trip for some reason outside of that. Hop in the car and look out the window. <laughs> so, Devin, where did you land on uh, Nebraska? Uh, so I think that I, you know, I had my like gripes with it, my, my kind of more minor things, um, but, but overall enjoyed watching it. I think for me, the biggest hit is just the, the lost potential. 
I think that that while this was enjoyable, it could have been a really impactful and really powerful film if if just small things had been tweaked. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that puts it at a B minus. I still think it's enjoyable. I would probably watch this again if it was on, you know, if I saw it on cable or something. Not that I have cable, but, you know, it's the kind of movie if I was flipping <laughs> channels, I might stop and watch it at least for a little while to see some of those good character moments. Yeah, which there was, I thought there was quite a bit. Um, when I was capturing clips, I ended up with like 20 of them and I had to like whittle it down a great deal. Oh, there's some good stuff yeah. in here. And uh, so, yeah, that's fair. And uh, Pepe, what did you uh, think about uh, Nebraska? Where did you land on your grade? Yeah, so I think I think all the like technical aspects of this movie are great. Um, I think all of the main actors put in really good performances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it, I mean, for me at least, it just sort of didn't, I don't know, it didn't make it to the next sort of level, I guess. Um, sure. So I'm going to give it a B. I think it's a solid B. Cool. And Jim, I'm very curious about your grade. Yeah. So, you know, I had said that I had a lukewarm response, but that really had to do to my energy level. And in Mm -hmm. fact, there's a scene in the movie where it shows uh, uh, the two brothers, uh, Bruce Stern's character, and then his his brother, and they're both asleep and the TV is on. That kind of happened that kind of happened to me during a portion of the movie unfortunately Mm -hmm. like i kind of fell asleep but i do recognize that this is a good movie and it made me feel a bunch of different emotions throughout and that's a great thing you know the complexity of characters and interrelationships and things like that and i enjoyed our our discussion uh it was it was very much um illuminating and even though that might be what we bring to the movie, the movie still had those prompts, you know what I mean, to bring that out of us. So I think for all of that, I'm going to give it a B. And I would I would watch it again, but it would have to be, you know, sometime in the in the future when I've mostly forgotten about it so I can have a fresher take. Well, if you ever do, let me know. I'd be curious uh, what your follow up take would be. But uh, yeah, I think that I can't remember who first mentioned it, but I think that the movie uh, almost became more relevant uh, as time has gone by into this era. So I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, so where does that leave us with our GPA, Kevin? That will put us at a perfect B, 3.14. Well, I guess not a perfect B, but but solid B. No, it's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. No, that'll work for me. It's a pie. It's a pie movie. Yeah. Uh yeah well i'm glad to have uh, sub- uh submitted this for you all to check out and watch again for some of you and watch for the first time and kind of get your thoughts it always i always find it illuminating and helpful to me um so that's all i'll live with that that might be my highest grade so far too uh yeah i believe it is oh no you had a 3.2 for dracula actually really I thought, dracula yeah i guess it was yeah. just that all the hate was coming from one person <laughs> this is this is a better movie than dracula okay this was better than dracula i think so too Um, i I think so too cool but uh also i wanted to point out that the black and white season so far is our most highly graded season of these first two at least um we are off to a good start cool makes sense well i'm sure i'm sure the rest of them are going to be real stinkers though (laughs) speaking of which it is time to roll for the next episode so let's find out um so devin is up to roll is that correct yeah okay so we need to roll uh three 
So six-sided die, right? I'm finally learning this crap. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep using random.org sure. and dice near no, me. That's fine. It's not as dramatic. Well, I add the sounds, so in fact, let me get to the sounds. Exactly. Uh all right. So uh oh, let me bring up the uh sheet. There we go. Okay, so right, if you're ready with that, I'll give you the drum roll. Okay. Uh, film number two. Film number two is a movie none of us have seen, I'm sure, called Clerks, uh, which is streaming on Amazon Prime and HBO Max. Uh, it came out in 1994, um, and I think there's another sequel in the works that just got picked up for distribution. So timely. Yeah, the third one. Yeah, Please. Clerks oh, really? three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, forthcoming. Wow. Yep. And can I just say that? Kevin Smith did this thing after he had his heart attack or whatever. Uh, he did the talk. He talked about it. You know, that's Kevin Smith. He goes out there and does his talks. This Kevin Smith talks. This this whole, he's he's so good at describing things that that scared the hell out of me and haunted me for a long time and caused like severe anxiety just even thinking about uh, what happened to him. So if you have the chance to uh, listen to Kevin Smith talk about his experience with his with his heart and stuff, please skip it. <laughs> for your own for your own <laughs> mental well-being um but i am looking forward to watching clerks it's been a long time since i've seen it um and so yeah or listen to, to it and get really healthy like he did yeah let it scare you straight yeah yeah it had uh it had um yeah it, it did affect me in that sense where i was like geez <laughs> you know um uh, but uh, th yeah. that shit never lasts let's be honest <laughs> so, yeah. no but that's 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 a good takeaway from it too yeah so if you're looking to get scared straight go listen to that talk um but yeah very much looking forward to clerks and uh, as we all know that was the quintessential like no budget 90s uh uh indie film that made it really really big and a big star director came out of it and stuff so um looking forward to that very much uh, show announcements, um, none in particular. Um, you can write to me at ben at redhenmedia.com and we, we may respond on the show. Uh, that about wraps things up. Oh, hang on. There's someone at the door. Someone at the door? Yeah, like clockwork. Just one more thing. Oh, surprise, surprise. Oh, Lieutenant Columbo has dropped in to tell us we have time for just one more thing, where each co-host shares a Twitter-length post of something they want to mention from outside the show. Um, so I will submit another video game that I have been playing. Uh, I think it came out like a year ago, though, but it is on VR, so it's probably fresh for a lot of people. Uh, it's a puzzle game called Down the Rabbit Hole. It's based off of uh, Alice in Wonderland. And in uses those characters, um, and it's very very fun. Uh, if you um, are looking for a game and you're into VR and it's and you're not looking to spend a lot of money, but looking for really great artwork and a, a bit of a fun story and um, good gameplay, good fun gameplay, check it out. I think it was like fifteen bucks or something like that. So down the rabbit hole, cat. What have you got for us this week on just one more thing? 
This is a shout out to my boyfriend's band because they will cool. be having a show. Um, but uh, it is a actually a little music festival that will be in San Francisco on 10 Cargo Way from 12 to 7 p.m. on August 14th. And it's called Oh Summer. Um, it's a day long immersive community music and art festival uh, celebrating the independent music and art community uh, on the last days of summer. So if you guys like music and art it's at an actual nursery so that's going to be interesting um having a bunch Neat. of plants everywhere but, but um yeah and if you're in the city come check it out um he is in a band called calendars so that's my shout cool. out yeah if you're in the bay area and want to check get some music on go there i that's one of the things i miss about living in san francisco was all the great live music that you could just go to just about any weekend where there's sunshine, you know, during those seasons. And so fun, fun stuff and good shout out. Uh, Calendars, right, is the name of his band? Yes. Cool. Well, go the Google band. them and check out some of their music too, right? Yes. Your boyfriend's in a band? He's a drummer. <laughs> oh, man, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually really good. I know, I know I'm his girlfriend and I sound, probably sound biased, but he's actually honestly genuinely talented. So. Hard to find being a good a drummer. drummer in a, being a drummer in a band's a dangerous proposition, though. <laughs> <laughs> true. That is true. From someone who's been in a band, and it's really hard to find a good drummer and a reliable drummer. Uh, it's near impossible. So if he is both those things, then he is a rare specimen indeed. Yes, he is in many ways. <laughs> cool. Well, all right. There you go. And uh, Devin, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? So I got a bit of a weird one for you guys. Um, I, I'm not really consuming any new content right now, so I can't really base it off that. I'm rewatching Doctor Who. I'm replaying a bunch of old video games. So I'm not really, there's nothing new there. But uh, there is something new I learned recently. So I'm just going to share with you guys this thing I learned, which um, it's called the Tommy Westfall universe. And this might be a fairly well-known thing. I don't know if it's something that like I learned about that everyone else in the world already knows about. Um, ben, have you heard of the Tommy Westfall universe? Seems like something you would know. Okay, so there used me. to be a show in the 80s. There was a, there was a medical documentary, not documentary, medical drama called uh, St. Elsewhere that was in the late 80s. Yeah, and the pretty, it was pretty popular. It was one of the earlier kind of procedural drama shows like when they first started doing cop dramas. And in the final episode, there was a recurring character named Tommy Westfall, a young boy who had, uh, I believe, Down syndrome or, yeah, uh, Down syndrome, who in the final episode, it was revealed in a, in a dramatic pan out that the entire show took place in a snow globe that he owned, that he was like dreaming all this was happening. So the whole hospital was fake and it was all a dream. It was like one of the early, like it was all a dream fake outs okay. at the end of the show. Because Didn't they finish Newhart with something like similar? Like where it was just all a dream or something? Been a reference. The, the woman with the big scar on her head, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, basically the, this, this multiverse's theory is that because of the way those procedural dramas worked back then and continue to work now is there were constantly spin-off shows and characters who were shared between shows and visited other shows Big and time. guest starred constantly. And so if you establish that everything in St. Elsewhere is fake and all those characters are fake, any show they cross over into is therefore also part of this boy's dream and doesn't exist. Yeah. And it has now spread. This list was last updated in um, August of 2016, so it could be way bigger now. But 419 television shows exist within the Tommy Westfall universe, including like totally random ones like Doctor Who, for instance. 
Beverly Hillbillies, uh, Ally McBeal, 24, Mr. Robot. Uh, like how all kinds wait. of like wild ones. Okay, I'm missing some similar, key things here. The same actors. So because yeah. no, it's because like one like one actor from St. Elsewhere like goes onto an NCIS show, one of the early NCIS shows, and therefore every character in NCIS character, though, right? They're not playing the same character. No, 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 no. The same character. Yeah, that, this happened all the, the time, especially character. back then. Okay. Yeah, the same character all will like right. guest star okay. and be from there. And so therefore every character on that show is tainted by being part of this universe. And then any of them that cross over into any other shows, which again mm. still happens, wow. and go on and so forth. The, the reason Mr. Robot's on there is because uh, at one point there's like a I think a dream sequence where Mr. Robot meets alf and okay. alf was yeah. one of the tainted shows and so because he meets alf it can't exist um and yeah i don't know like mm. all the details for all of these but you know cheers the, the Cosby show, staggering yeah criminal minds like basically every network television show you can imagine you probably couldn't name one that isn't on here it's it's crazy degrassi is on here i i, I don't know how but degrassi is part of this universe so Weird, uh, yeah, wild it's crazy stuff. it's a really interesting theory there's a whole like cult following on the internet behind it like cataloging it all so interesting to look into it's a viral weird. universe yeah <laughs> interesting okay well i'm definitely gonna uh dip my toes in that rabbit hole at some point and, and see what the yeah. what the f um interesting it's a great thing. midnight wikipedia yeah exactly search, just right going down a rabbit hole yeah I'll, I'll be sitting on my phone later kind of laying back on my couch like browsing through this because that <laughs> is pretty interesting uh and james pepe what do you have for us on just one more thing i didn't skip you this time I want credit. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so I'll plug um, Blasphemous again. I've been playing that a lot recently and really enjoying it. And it's held up. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it all the way through, but it's it's good. Um, but recently I've been re-watching um, House, the old show, the old medical drama. Which is probably part uh, of that universe. Yeah, yeah probably somehow. Um, and I've been enjoying it. I, it's, I, I liked it when it first came out, and it's yeah. still pretty good. Yeah um yeah some of the things since it's from like the early 2000s some of the like issues that they like deal with they deal with it pretty ham-handedly which is actually it's it comes across more funny than like insensitive or like quaint more mm. than like insensitive or bad but yeah it's it's still good it's still god good i don't show. feel like house is that old but i guess it kind of is yeah I, I don't remember when the first season it was like 2008 it was a while ago yeah we're talking yeah. we in knowing what we watched that movie Devin's movie um from that era we know that that it was quite a bit different back then we've already kind of gone over that like, yeah it didn't even basically <laughs> smartphones weren't even like a big thing yeah. back then no we these still, guys got flip phones yeah and pagers exactly and... it wasn't this it just was a different age back then even though it didn't seem like that many years ago so rewatch house huh and i'm gonna find some yeah, stuff house. in there that are like what so when you say they deal with it like do you have an, a specific example of one one thing that's well, okay out? so like here's here's an example so like they want to take up issues of like um race where like this one of their patients is like a latino guy and mm -hmm. they're trying to figure him out and they talk about a lot of um of like i guess latino issues mm -hmm. but then it comes to but then the sort of resolution sort of is found that like he got sick because he goes to like cockfighting matches. It's like okay, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah. He fumbled fumbled the ball on that one. Yeah, he didn't really stick the landing. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could totally <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah right. It's like I get yeah. you. And that was just like apropos for the time. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yeah, right. All right. It's like you almost you almost made it, man. You just oh man. yeah. Keep going, keep evolving. All right. Well, yeah, cool. That's yeah. interesting to know. And they're trying though. They're trying. Yeah, right. We're still be it's interesting to me, like I sometimes think like, you know, and I think that Jim has brought this up too, where it'll be interesting to look back on this era in the future and see where we are missing the boat on some of this stuff now, you know, because you're kind of blind mm -hmm. to it at the time. A lot of times, although I suspect many people were not, but the writer certainly must've been, you know? Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, uh, Jim, gentleman, Jim Scott, you got the final word on just one more thing. What have you got for us? Um, so I don't have any new media. Uh, I'm going back as far as books, I'm going back to reading the two series that I should have been reading all along, um, which is Wheel of Time and yeah. then um, the, uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I know which one you mean. Uh, Erickson, uh, Tales of Malazan, or Book of the Fallen, of the, yeah. uh, which are both very super involved series. I really should only be doing one at a time, but you know, <laughs> go big, go go home. Do you ever cross details? Keep the characters straight. No, actually, you're keeping it straight. They pretty are, good, huh? They're super different. Uh, they okay, are okay. super. I'm only familiar with Wheel super, of Time. Yeah, so they're super different, and the writing style is okay. super different. I would say of the two, Robert Jordan is much easier to read. Okay, and and not because he doesn't go with a lot of details. He has a lot of details. It's just I don't know. It just flows. Whereas uh, Malazan Book of the Fallen, you it's more of um. A military fantasy okay um and so there's so many different characters there's so much so many things going on you almost need to write your own notes reminds me of rangers um, apprentice so you you're, what you're describing it's very much about the if you've read any of those it's very much about the mechanisms of the country uh no no i have it yeah rangers apprentice it's um it's a good series they he has a ton of those out uh I can't remember the na author's name off off the top of my head. Yeah, and I shouldn't even be taking a break from these books because now I'm I'm reading the I'm, I'm two thirds of the way through the fourth book of um, the Wheel of Time, and I'm trying to reacquaint myself. It's almost mm -hmm. like watching, you know, three seasons of a seven season show, waiting a while, and then kind of going back to it, and you're like, "Where was I?" That's exactly how uh, I approached Wheel of Time the second time too. So I fizzled out yeah. somewhere in the fifth or sixth book, or maybe even later, but somewhere in there. And then I had to start over. And then I yeah. hadn't read well, the prequel, the spring dawn. of I can't remember the name of it, which ended up being I, one of my I favorites, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a prequel. So that's something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And I fizzled out on both of these series mm -hmm. at different points in my life. So this time, even though I'm getting distracted with other books, I want to keep it real yeah. as cat says well, uh to to these stories but uh my just one more thing i think i've talked too much my my just one more thing is to take yourself out on a date and what i mean by that is go out and have experience with yourself different than the norm like go that. somewhere you've you've never been go eat at a restaurant you've never eaten at take yourself out in a novel experience and put your phone down or away. Oh yeah. You don't have to take pictures. Just be present. 
And the reason why I say that, I just think it's very important for us to connect with the world around us with our own eyes as the lens. As Darth Vader um, says. And it, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my example is I'm planning on, I have a three-day weekend, which doesn't happen often. Nice. Um, and so Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to go up to Sonoma. I've only been there once briefly on accident. So I'm going to spend a couple of days there. In fact, our Wednesday night game, I'll be up there. Sonoma's so quaint sure and nice. I'll make sure I'm in a hotel nice. with Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a, got a small town feel, but because of the wine industry, there's money there. So it's like really, yeah. really gorgeous and uh, well, yes. well taken care of and, uh, and fun. So good. Enjoy that. And I think that also to your point there to try this stuff is when we do have new experiences and try new things, you make deeper and um, more rich memories of those experiences. Your brain is firing off a little bit more, right? You're not taking so yeah, much of your, what you're seeing for granted. It's all kind of hitting. And you're present, you know, you're, you you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're present in your emotionality and your thoughts. You're not, being distracted there is some research that you know like say what even watching television puts you in a passive way of thinking because you're receiving mm -hmm. but you're not thinking a whole lot about it they're showing you kind of what to think or what to feel in a general nebulous sense yeah and now the word amusement it, is is applicable there yes you know well there was an Yes, there was a New York professor, Neil Postman, that wrote the book Amusing Ourselves to Death. Mm -hmm. And it was about television and not saying that television is morally bad or morally good. His hypothesis was that um, our media has an impact on us and therefore has an impact on our culture. And he goes through the epistemology of when oral folklore became the printing press what impact that had on societies around the world and he posited that uh television has just as great an impact as the printing press did and now we live in the age of you know the internet yeah. and so i would think right that if you're taking your television set with you everywhere you go and then staring at it when you're in line you know, when you're walking around the grocery store, anytime that you need to entertain yourself, that's probably going to have, I don't know. Yeah, that passive you, right? amusement is just so accessible and easy. Yeah, there's there's even a meme that, that uh, I remember that was funny, but it, it's all, you know, what interesting place are we going to go to this weekend to stare at our phones? You, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Well, challenge accepted, yeah. and it's a good, uh, I think, a worthy thing to uh rise to so uh i'll be interested to check back in with you and uh i'll i'll make some time to do that and also report back for sure thank you so yeah cool i think i'll miss you most of all well i don't know about that but i want my million dollars so it's time for our <laughs> co-host send-offs uh I'm not crying, you're crying. Kat? <laughs> I'm Kathy Ramirez. It's been real. Uh, catch me on Instagram at Kat Ramirez with two Zs. Uh, see you all next time. Yeah, see you next time. And uh, Devin Schwartz. I'm Devin Schwartz at Devin Schwartz1 on Twitter. And uh, game over, man, game over. <laughs> Never, truly. 
Um, yeah, and James Pepe. I've been James Pepe, and I guess I'll see everyone next week. Yep, looking forward to some clerks. And uh, gentleman, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim Scott, and farewell, and take care, friends. And I just want to point out that this point in the contest, me and Devin are tied. Yeah, I forgot. Because I kind of asked about that. I his forgot. movie came first. Actually, a bunch of us are tied because his movie came first, so that didn't count. And a couple of us got it correct. So yeah, we're all kind of running at the head of the pack. So uh, uh, except for except for Cat, I just want to point out Cat is not <laughs> tied with us. Just want to make sure well, clear. <laughs> we haven't put Cat on the spot yet this episode, so there it is. So that for, contractual so obligation is fulfilled. To... <laughs> it's enough for cats to put up with our bullshit. <laughs> I, was, I was doodling this, and I'm glad I did this. So I, wow, you you I both should be uh, psychic mediums uh, as a profession. <laughs> That's pretty <Yeah>. good. <laughs> well, with that, my friends, this has been. I'll look at yours if you look at mine, and now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And don't forget to watch Clerks, uh which came out in 1994. Uh, it is now streaming on HBO Max and... I don't remember, so... HBO's other ones. HBO's other ones. Yeah, exactly. All the HBO's. Uh, until next time, lookers, keep on looking! <laughs>